This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. That way, Bill WD40 can get into the chat room and lube us up for tonight's show. Good morning, Tracy Moore in the UK. Or no, you're not in the UK. Tracy Moore is in North America. Midwest Night Watchers, how are you? And uh, thank you for joining us. Let's see. Super Chat is open. It's a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. So uh, thank you so much for all the people who will Super Chat tonight. And don't forget, our store is open on our website, spacedoutradio.com, where we have a plethora to offer you in regards to our swag. There's Bill WD-40. Lube us up, Bill. Lube us up over at Spreaker. Asteroid, nice to have you back, my man. We got 10 seconds here. Dirty Filth is going to join us with another great cartoon tonight. Lynn Monet is your guest. And don't forget, come to Vegas with us, May 19th to 21st, 2023, for our party. Horns up. of Central British Columbia to you listening around the world. This, my friends, is Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott, sitting in the captain's chair of SOR headquarters. We welcome you to tonight's show on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, Talk Street Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. You can follow us on Twitter at spaced out radio, Instagram at spaced out radio show, and on TikTok at spaced out radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Tonight's show is brought to you by Chive Charities. Help make the world 10% happier by visiting Chive Charities today. You can find them on our website. We got a great show packed for you tonight. Lynn Monet is here to talk spirituality, heaven, and all things to do with near-death experiences. Then in hour number three, we're going to head to the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller has another spooky story for us. Tim Senor is in for the UFO report. Shirky Poo has the news. Author Lynn Monet is world-renowned for her work on her Omnipresent series, Omnipresent and Omnipresent What Happened Next, as well as the now-released... Colors of Heaven, Beginnings Never End. She is a paranormal consultant and lecturer specializing in hauntings, dying, death, and the afterlife. Lynn has the ability to see frequencies interdimensionally most cannot. She's been a nurse for over 30 years, most of which have been end-of-life care, geriatrics, and management. She is also on the board of directors for the soon-to-be-released Health and Recovery magazine in 2023 and holds a degree in biological science. This is where the woo meets the who 
what, where, when, why, and how. And we're glad to have Lynn Monet back on Spaced Out Radio. Lynn, thank you so much. Your hair is about nine inches longer than it was the last time we had you here, but we're so glad to have you back. Thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you so very much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. I was really excited um, when when we connected up and was able were able to schedule this. And again, everybody, welcome to my kitchen. I just had a cast taken off, so I have my foot propped up on a kitchen chair. So welcome to Lynn's kitchen. <laughs> Uh, Lynn, I mean, so much has happened and so much has gone on since we had you on. I mean, it was well over a year ago, I believe. And this is now yes. your second time on the show. I'm very much happy to have you back for a little uh, bit because our audience is always changing and growing. And as of today, uh, on our YouTube channel, we are only 200 and 65 people away from 20,000 subscribers, which I'm very excited about. Uh, that, that's my Christmas present from my fans. I want 20,000 subscribers before December 31st, and I think we're going to get that. But everything is always mm-hmm. changing and moving, and and you know what? We, we love having you here. Tell our audience a little bit about you. How do you become – you're a professional nurse for over 30 years, but you also have this psychic intuitive side that helps you lead people down the paranormal direction. Um, actually, um, it all started at a very early age. I was, uh, I was, grew up in a haunted house. We lived in a house that was, that was three uh, short blocks behind a hospital that was connected with a nursing home. So my siblings and I would see people walking through the house in patient gowns. And um, there was one very, very profound thing that happened when I was about five years old and my brother was seven. We were in my parents' master bedroom And of course, I was in my mother's jewelry box decorating myself with her jewelry. And my brother was on the floor playing with his matchbox matchbox cars or Hot Wheels or whatever it was he was playing with. And I turned to show him how glamorous I had made myself. And he was fixated on the corner of the the room. And um, so I looked to see what he was looking at. And there was a misting in the corner of the room. And in that walk stepped in my brother's best friend, John, and John's mother, father, and brother. And they were just standing there smiling. And I get up and run out of the room calling for my mother. My brother gets up running out of the room calling for my mother, and he ends up finding her first. And I hear him saying to my mom, "Um, John's here. John and his family's here. And she's like, well, I didn't even hear anybody knock. And he says, and they're in your bedroom. And she's like, well, they're in my bedroom. And so they all came to the bedroom and... um, of course, nothing was there. But the very next day um, was the end of spring break. And so my brother was on the bus riding to school and noticed that little John wasn't there for him to sit with. And then he got to class. And uh, again, John, who had a desk right next to his, was not there. And after the Pledge of Allegiance, the teacher stood up in front of the class and said that John would not be returning to school because he and his entire family perished in an auto accident on the way back from Disney World. And it happened that day that we saw him at the same time in my parents' bedroom. So things kind of started early. And then as things uh, progressed, as I I got older, when I turned about 10 years old, I was raised Presbyterian. And my mother took a jaunt with the Jehovah's Witnesses, which is a book within itself, but we won't go there. And um, 
what what had happened with that was is I was still seeing things and my mother took me in front of the elders of the church which are similar to a priest or a pastor the people that kind of make the decisions in the church and there I am at 10 years old standing there being told that what I'm seeing is demons that I'm possessed all of these things that are wrong with me and I became so scared of my gifts at that time that even though I was still seeing things I would run out of the room just as fast as anybody else because I thought what I was seeing, even if it was something comforting like my grandmother, I mean, my great-grandmother or somebody that, that was familiar, I still, you know, would say, oh my gosh, that's a demon, and I would run out the door. So coming forward um, as a mother, single mother, um, things kind of reopened for me when I purchased the house that is the um, first book that I wrote called Omnipresent. And... Um, in that house, there there were um, two demons and a young man, and it was haunted so badly that I was never able to actually move into the house. So it being in, influenced by that and exposed to that, I was also able to connect with people of like mind and also other people that were seeing things in that house at the same time I did. So this validated my gifts, and I was able to then... Um, start to nurture them again and not be afraid of them anymore and understand that they they are gifts. And from there, I went ahead and I wrote um, Omnipresent is actually going to end up being a series of five books. I'm working on the third one now for the, for the sequel. The second one is Omnipresent, What Happened Next? And uh, I wrote that book because so many people wanted to know what happened afterwards. I actually did get a hold of the people that sold me the house and got to connect with them on the stories of what were happening to their children in that house that were being attacked and the reason why they also moved. Um, also, I um, when there are some things in the book as well, talking about mental illness and addiction and, um, you know, some of the things that I learned about that and was able to see through my profession. And then this, this other book that I've just written and released called The Colors of Heaven, Beginnings Never End, was based on seeing my mother cross over and come out of her body when she passed away. And I, it was such a beautiful thing that I, I wanted to share it with people, hoping to take the stigma of death and dying um, away for people and to help people maybe that have terminal illness or have recently lost someone. So that, that's kind of how it all started in a nutshell. For you, I mean, having that experience with your mother – and and watching her presence leave her body i mean very few people have actually had interactions with the angel of death with uh the spirit leaving the body and so on and so forth i mean for you how did that affect you seeing this incredibly personal and for some people religious experience well you know um First of all, in my nursing profession, I've been a nurse for 37 years, and 17 years of that has been in geriatric and end-of-life care. I am, I, do, I am a death doula. I do help people cross over. So I've seen the consistencies in death, and I've seen this more than once. However, with my mother, it was very, very special, and I'll be happy to, to share that story with you if you'd like. I would, lo it's, it I is would a love beautiful it. Story. I would love it. Okay. My mother, um, the thing that I've learned with people as a nurse is sometimes when people are getting ready to cross over, they sometimes they leave their body. 
before it stops breathing and they might be even be standing next to you. And then there are other times that they choose to stay in body until the last minute. My mother was one that choose to, chose to stay in until the last minute. So, and, and this was, this was very, I mean, to me, it was obvious because um, she was still, even though she wasn't able to open her eyes anymore and she wasn't able to verbalize anymore, she was still responding appropriately by moving her eyebrows and trying to mouth words. So like people would come in the room and say, hi, Phyllis, and she'd go, and it was appropriate with what they what they had said and also there was one at one point i was telling somebody a story that she didn't like me telling and she was grimacing about it because she was kind of upset with me uh, i guess for telling the story but um i was the only one there when my mother passed away my brother was on the way he wasn't able to make it in time and i kind of feel like it was meant to be that way because of what i was able to see happening and um as i was sitting in a recliner off to the side of my mother's bed I was watching and in the room there was this misting that started to form ceiling to floor and side to side in the room and I could I started to see movement on the other side and sometimes I'd see like a pant leg stick out or a shoulder stick out and yes they do show up in clothes nobody wants to see mom naked so when they do come in to help collect and I do want to just say too for those of you that are more UFO and galactically inclined, it is all connected. There's that, there's that too. So, and the book does go into that part of it. But, um, so I'm watching this, and as this misting fills the side of the room, I've since learned that that's called ectoplasm. It's a portal type thing. It starts to efface towards the head of my mother's bed. And um, I'm watching this, and I see my grandmother, my mother's mother, walk in through that that opening there and she looked the exact same she had her little tight 1990s curly perm and she even presented with glasses and the leisure suit that she had actually made for herself that she was um actually buried in and i you know and i i was just so thrilled to see her because she looked the same and she came over to the bed where my mother was laying and she started to stroke the inside of my mother's forearm and she would lean forward to my mother and say something in her ear and my mother would respond with the eyebrow thing and the mouthing thing and then my grandmother would step stand back and she leaned forward and did this three separate times and while she's doing this I see this frantic wave behind my grandmother's head it was my beautiful sister Robin who had been murdered by a jealous boyfriend right after she turned 20 years old and I could smell her perfume she, her, she wore a perfume called Latisse. It was a, a, not a common perfume in the 80s. And the room just filled with her perfume. She actually came around the misting and came over and embraced me. I could feel her beautiful long hair falling over my face. I could feel her essence and just smelling her. And when she went to go back around the mist, the whole wall had effaced. The, the, the misting was gone. And I could see all of the, there were hundreds of people in there. There were beautiful beings that looked angelic there were also these other beings that appeared to be on the level of angels but they didn't have wings and my feeling is is that they were um from different solar systems because you've got to realize i mean we aren't the only solar system here and there are a lot of solar systems out in space that have similar planets as ours and even different ones but you know energy can't be created or destroyed and we are energy so all of those those um, different 
um, spirits and things like that uh, have to go somewhere when they, they finalize their, their life wherever they're at, whatever solar system they're in. So um, I'm watching this and I'm looking in there and the light on the other side, it, it there wasn't a light source. It was almost like the light um, it emitted from within the atmosphere itself, if that even makes sense. It, it was like the perfect lighting. And there are, there are colors over there that we do not have here. We would need a couple of color wheels to to um, even imagine what the, the colors are over there. And the thing about their colors, too, is they're not just colors. They are there's an essence about them that that you connect with, that it's almost like they're living colors. And so I'm, I'm watching all of this and I notice kind of in the background, they're like preparing this reception or reunion type thing. And there's this cloth on top of this table under this tree. And I'm noticing, of course, that there's no food because of course they don't eat there. And that is something I'll share with you that my mom told me something funny about. But um, so I said to my mom, I said, I went over, I kissed her cheek. I told her, I said, mom, Graham and Robin are here and it's time for you to go. Um, they're here to help you cross over. I love you. I'll be okay. You know, please, please go home. Go home with your with your mom and with with Robin. And in about ten minutes, she and of course she mouthed and she did the eyebrow thing to me. And within ten minutes, she took her last breath. But before I noticed that, there was this group of of beings that that kind of like a football, they were standing up towards the head of the bed, like in a, a football huddle. And they were layered on top of each other, almost like a peony flower. So it wasn't just, it was like two, two layers of huddling around, if that even makes sense. And when they opened up, my mother was standing in the center of those spirits, like they were trying to stabilize her, her spiritual feet. And I'm looking at my mother, she's not dead. I can see her right there. And one by one, these people that had come to greet her were coming up to greet her. Some of them I recognized from this lifetime, like my mother, my sister, some of my uncles and cousins that had passed away. There were a lot of people there that I didn't recognize, but my mother did. And she's just beaming. And, you know, the feeling of elation that comes from that side, there are no words to be able to express it. There's no feeling that can touch it, but you can't help but smile when you're, when you're in the presence of that and you're feeling all of this love and elation coming from the other side. And in that moment, I turned and I looked and I noticed that my mother had stopped breathing and I'm sitting here grinning from ear to ear. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, you know, I better call the nurse because she comes in, my mother's just stopped breathing and I'm grinning from ear to ear, that's not a normal response. They might think that I put a pillow over her head or something. So I called the nurse and the, um, excuse me, and the nurse came in on the side that all the festivities were going on. And uh, she walked right through everybody and they didn't seem to be bothered by it. And she pronounced that my mother had passed away. So um, I asked if I could stay in the room with my mom because I wanted to continue to watch. I wanted to see what else was going to happen. And they're continuing to greet her and she's beaming from ear to ear. And yeah, I almost wanted to jump into that picture, so to speak, for that moment, because, you know, and then leave later on in the day. It's like, can I come along too? Because <laughs> I wanted to be part of the reception and party. And then the room kind of thinned out. And there were about five spirits left in addition to my grandmother and my sister who 
were assisting my mother. Um, where I was sitting, there were windows behind me. And I know that sometimes people talk about cracking a window when someone has passed away. So I don't know if that really is relevant or not, but they did head towards the window past me on my left, my left hand side. And as they started to file out, um, I recognized my mother because she had beautiful legs and I recognized her shapely legs. And the way that I see spirits is I can see them as clear as I can see you. I can tell you what they have on, you know, what color their hair is, how it's styled out of my peripheral vision. When they get, I can see them also better at a distance. When they get closer to me, sometimes I can see a lower half or like a, like a shoulder, usually not the upper half, but I see this waffling to the air that's almost like vapors off of a hot road or gas fumes, the way that they waffle um, in the air. And that's the way that they appear to me. So as they were all filing out on my left, they each kept making contact with the top of my head, which made me feel tingly. But there was, there was an angel, there were some other souls, but there was this magnificent being that was very, very tall. So his head was almost, I'm saying, I'm not sure if it was male or female because it looked neutral. Um, uh, but th their head was almost skimming on the, the ceiling. This, this being was so tall, it had no wings. It, it almost looked as if it was um, a being from somewhere else. And that's why I say that there is a connection when it comes to all of those sorts of things. And that's what, what happened uh, with my mom. But I have, as a nurse in end-of-life care, I have so many stories about people getting ready to cross. And, and another thing is, too, is they start seeing a lot of times loved ones. They'll start talking about Uncle Bob in the corner of the room. And because people are uncomfortable with having a dead person in the room, they want to call the nurse to give the, the transitioning soul medication to, you know, shut them up because, you know, that they, they're they're uncomfortable with death. They're uncomfortable with, with dead people. Can, so can, um, I, can I ask a quick question about that? Oh, I'm sorry. You, you, yes. You pretty much being a palliative care nurse for your professional mm -hmm. careers. We got about two and a half minutes left. When that happens, when you have a patient who is now seeing loved ones, this episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. ...who have passed away you know, whether it's a, a spouse or a parent or a grandparent or brother, sister, whatever that may be. And you guys start hearing that. Is that a, a sign for you that when the family does come up, well, she must be having pain. She's, uh, you know, going a little nuts seeing dead people around here that have been gone for years. Like, how do you guys react to that, considering that would be such a telltale sign that it's getting close? It is a telltale sign. However, you know, 
it's it's really like 75 25 if you're an empath you can see the loved ones coming in as well for those people if you're not they think it's hallucinations and they put the people on medication because sometimes they even see them as much in, in, in as a year in advance um they'll start seeing souls and i've got some stories about that but i know we're i'll, I'll save them for after um whenever you want to hear them well we, so, we can do yeah. that it, but it, it just uh it, it amazes me because I, I've seen one person die in my life, one, mm-hmm. and that was my partner's grandmother. And I actually watched her spirit leave her body, and no one else in that hospital room saw it. And then nine minutes later, we watched her breathe her final breath. And it was one of the most impactful things that I've ever seen. And you're talking to somebody here who I have a complete fear of death, complete fear. Even though I've seen a lot of really cool things and and experienced a lot of cool things, death freaks me out more than anything on this planet because I kind of like living, you know? I, I kind of enjoy my time here. I enjoy my kids. I enjoy nature. You know, I enjoy doing this show and, and a lot more other things, much like a lot of other people would have their reasons to live. And, and living is a beautiful is a beautiful thing, and it's an honor to be able to do that, considering many people didn't get to do it for very long. But to actually see the, the spirit of, of a body or leave a body and, you know, and just hover there before shooting through the ceiling and taking off, I mean, it was... It was life-changing for me, absolutely life-changing. And we're going to get more into this and more with author Lynn Monet, who has a brand-new book out called The Colors of Heaven. You can check out her website, lynnmonet.com. And can't wait. This book just came out. We're going to talk more. What's on the other side? Who's over there? Who's getting ready to pop a beer for us? This is all important things we need to know. As Spaced Out Radio continues right after this. You know, it's funny because all of my experiences started, this will be 11 years this month, with me seeing the angel of death in my mother's eyes. Oh, wow. And then having a two-hour channeling session with him afterwards or not a two hour, like two hours later, pardon me, having about a 38 minute uh, channeling session with him. And, wow. And then when I saw the, uh, when I walked into my partner's grandmother's room, because we got the call, I rem- this was probably six, seven months later, I recognized the energy of the angel of death that I, you know, obviously channeled and everything. And I walked into that room real cocky because I knew he was there. I could feel him on the way in. And I was like, come on, show me. Show me where you are. Show, And, and I taunted him for about a couple of hours. And then finally, I was standing at the foot of the bed. And my partner is right beside me. And it was like he said to me, I got this message in my in my head, is this it? Is this what you want to see? And I watched her spirit, which was like in the shape of a, like you like you mentioned, it all clouded up. And then it went like into mm-hmm. the shape of a football, 
like a very thinned mm-hmm. out football, but it was like swirling. And, mm-hmm. and he's like, is this what you want to see? Is this, is this what it's all about? And then boom, spirit shot mm-hmm. through the body or shot through the ceiling and he was gone. Spirit was gone. And I went right in front of everybody. There's like 20 people in the room. I'm like, holy shit. Right. <laughs> like, I can't believe I just saw that. And I started laughing. Right. And, and I'm trying to like control my excitement of what I just saw. And I brought my partner outside. I'm like, she's gone. And she's like, no, she's still breathing. I'm like, no, she's gone. I just saw mm-hmm. her spirit leave her body. Right. And she's like, what? I said, it was awesome. Right. Oh, wow. It was, it was, <laughs> it was awesome. But fast forward to a couple months ago where like my mom has been uh, very ill as well. And uh, mm-hmm. I got called down because uh, we, th- we thought it was time. And my mother's like a cat. She's got nine lives. And, uh, but that day we, th- um, I actually had to cancel the show for a couple of days cause I had to go travel to see, you know, my mom and my, you know, my, all my kids were there. My sisters were there. Their kids were there except, you know, my nephew who passed a couple of years ago. And it was funny cause we're staying at my parents' house that night and I got up to, uh, to, uh, get a drink. I walked into the kitchen and I felt my nephew there. Yes, and, he was. <laughs> and, and and I and I said to him, I said, "Bud, you don't need to be here." And but he was he was very much a grandpa's boy, and he and he was like, "I'm checking up on grandpa." I'm like, "No, no." I said, "You go, you go stay with grandma right now, just in case. You go stay with grandma. She needs you in case she needs to transition over." I said, "I got grandpa." I said, "You you don't worry about it. I got grandpa." And you go take care of grandma. And within a couple minutes, it, it was a good conversation. And 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 he uh, ended up leaving. And obviously, I know where he went. And we took care of my dad. And God, my mom, just when you think it's the darkest, man, she just pulls right out again. So now she's in a home, you know, with the start of dementia. But um, at least we got her for at least one more Christmas. Aww. That's amazing. And you know, when you see something like that, you, you never forget. It's not like you can unsee it. It, it, It's, it does. It's an imprint in your, in your mind. And you, then you start seeing it even more often, like you said, in other, other, you know, other times like that. So yeah, it does happen that way. What a great story. Absolutely. But I, I mean, I'm still fearful of it, still fearful of death. And I know I shouldn't be, but I am. I just want to say hello to a few people who've come in late. Super Duke for World Bigfoot Radio. Super Duke. Super Duke. All right. Uh, who else is joining us here? My brother, Eugene Braxton. How are you? Uh, let's see. Who else is coming on in here? Uh, thank you to Forrest Louie and Lily Pond for kicking off the Super Chats this week. It's a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly basis. So thank you so much. And oob to Joe's Bane, you've got aliens and Lubla. Yes, you do. Ooh, uh, oh, hey, Clam. How are you? And who else has come on in here that I haven't said hello to as time is winding down? Uh, let's see. Terry Hall, River Dogma, Nick Yak. How you guys doing? Thanks for joining us. Um, let's see. Can we get to the end here? Seven seconds. Mennonite Abe, good to see you, buddy. 
And I think we're caught up. I think we are. Sarah Yon, here we go. Second half hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We very much appreciate it. want to remind you that if you've missed portions of this show or others, check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on with author Lynn Monet, who's just had a brand new book out called The Colors of Heaven. And we're talking about that transition point where people on their deathbed start seeing family members, start seeing other spirits all around them. You know, if you've seen one of your parents and or a sibling or somebody in that category, they're not seeing things, people. They're, they're not hallucinating. They're not wishing of a time that was. This is actually going on. This is very real, and it's very well recorded. Lynn, welcome back. Thank you so much. It's good to be back. <laughs> so the transition type, when we, like I mentioned right before the break, where people start seeing dead people, I mean, why do so many family members out there look to take that as a hallucination or, or you know, a fear of that, you know, the their loved one is going nuts right in front of them. When in reality, that person is actually starting to be welcomed on the other side by the loved ones who have passed. I think that it's because for one, they can't see them themselves. And it's also the way that we've been raised. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser. Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu slash visit. With traditional religion and, oh, you know, our parents, oh, no, there's no such thing as ghosts and things like that, that we were, that we were, you know, raised up on um, being told all of the time. So when these, and, and, you know, it's like you mentioned, too, these are not spirits that the family does not recognize. It's not like they're talking about pink elephants on the wall. They're talking about dead people that the family also knows. And um, so with that being said, the medical field also sees it, you know, as hallucinations because they're looking at it in a very concrete way. Fortunately, I think there are more and more nurses that are becoming empaths that are able to see these things and help with it. But I have a couple of stories that really, really bring this home. Um, if you would like me to share any of those with you. All right. I would love for it to hear those stories. 
Okay, there's there are two of them in particular. One of them, um, I had a lady that was blind, completely blind. She'd been blind, totally blind, no shadows, nothing for 10 years. And she had only been on my unit for a couple of weeks, so I didn't know her that well. But her son and daughter come to the nurse's station and they say to me, mom's talking to people in the room that aren't there. So I say, okay, well, let me walk down with you and I'll see if there's something I can do for her to make her more comfortable. And when we walked into the room, she was laying slanted up and she was grinning from ear to ear and she was reaching into the sky of her room uh, like she was reaching for snowflakes, something very, very delicate. And I asked her, I said, Edna, I said, who's here? She said, George. Well, her daughter had to sit down. Because she almost passed out. She said, well, George is my father. My father's been dead for, you know, over 10 years. And and then, then it says, she says, and he's glad that you're taking good care of Pixie. Well, Pixie was her poodle. And the son had possession of Pixie, who was an old dog, but still very much alive. And the son comes forward and he says, well, I have Pixie. He said, Pixie was my mother's poodle. And he said, do you think my mom's hallucinating? And you just can't come out and say, no, I don't think your mother's hallucinating. I think that your father is really here and there are loved ones coming in to help her transition over. And this is this happens sometimes. And I said to him, I said, um, I said, well, do you think she's hallucinating? I always put that question back. And he's kind of like, well, uh, I, I don't I don't know. You know, and I said, well, let's just try something. I said, I don't know what your belief system is. I'm not trying to change the way that you believe. But, I, you know, being in this profession, a lot of times loved ones do come in to assist. Um, and so let me let me just try something. So I asked Edna, I said, Edna, can I ask George a question? And she nodded her head yes. And I asked her, I said, what color is your son's shirt? Well, keep in mind that this woman's blind. She can't see anything. And she said yellow. He was wearing a pastel yellow Ralph Lauren shirt. And in that moment, it was profound for him. And he got it. And he said, hi, dad. He realized that his father's spirit was really in the room. And a lot of times people miss this very, very beautiful time when someone is transitioning to also communicate with the other side themselves. I mean, how many times have you heard somebody say, oh, I wish I could just tell somebody that I love them one more time or tell them that, you know, I'm sorry or ask. Uncle Joe, what he did, you know, with, with the toaster or the clock, this is your time that you, the person that's transitioning, the filters are starting to efface so they can hear the telepathy coming from the spiritual realm as well as they can hear the humans in the room speaking and they're able to answer for you. Oh, you know, Uncle Bob put the toaster, you know, in the bathroom closet on the floor in the corner. So you can get your answers. However, the spirit that you want to ask the question needs to be present in the room and it needs to be one at a time. But I also have, um, if you'd like me to continue, um, I have another one that also is, is very, very profound that kind of bring that, brings that home too. So do you want me to? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm just enthralled by, by hearing this. I mean, <laughs> the, the idea that uh, spirit can, can, come up with some very good answers. You know, like when my mother a couple months ago was on her deathbed, the first thing that I did, you know, because I, I, I don't like to admit I'm intuitive because I try to take a more journalistic approach with this show. But the first thing I did when I walked into a room was I was feeling for the angel of death. 
I didn't feel it. Mm-hmm. And within 30 seconds, I knew that my mother was not on her deathbed, that she was, that everybody had thought, because he wasn't there. And I couldn't feel my nephew there because I knew my nephew who had crossed over in 2018 from a fentanyl overdose, I knew he would be there because all Mm -hmm. of us were there and neither of them were there. And it was right then and there where I went, oh God, here we go. My mother with nine lives, Uh, you know, and I was happy (laughs) about that, happy about that. Mm -hmm. But I've also seen over the years, my mother go through a lot of pain. You know, from can- yeah. from cancer treatment to her body functions just starting to give up. And, you know, at some point you start to build up that, that you know, I mean, it may sound callous, but you start to build up that wall that you're preparing for, for that time, you know. And I think I'd been preparing for that time. So, I mean, the idea behind behind the fact that there was nobody in there that I could feel spirit-wise it it really made me think, well, I guess we got mom for Christmas, you know, which is awesome. She has one more Christmas because, you know, I feel for those families who lose loved ones around this time of year who would give anything for one more Christmas with them, you know. And, yeah, sorry, people, I'm not politically correct. It's not happy holidays around here, uh, you know. So, I mean, the idea behind everything that just kind of, you know, messes with it, you know, as a nurse who's gone through this hundreds, if not thousands of times over your career, how many times have you seen someone pass without any spirit in the room? You know, that has only happened one time. And I, I don't know, there was a, there was a man that literally fought death for 10 days and nothing came in to collect him. And he, when he passed away, I wasn't there that day. I have no idea what came to collect him, but there was a reason that he was fighting death. And that is the only time that I've seen that. Now, you know, people talk about religion. It is, this is not about religion. I've seen atheists cross over. I've seen Jewish people. I've seen Presbyterians, all of them. You know, the only thing that stops you from crossing over is yourself if you choose not to cross over, which is usually how you end up with lost souls wandering and ghosts haunting houses. Those are the ones that have chosen not to cross over. So everybody crosses over um, unless they they don't want to. But, um, you know, the thing is, too, when a person's getting close to death, and just let me back up a little bit. There are three kinds of death. There's, of course, natural death, which most of us have. There's a um, sudden death, which is handled differently on the other side. They they don't come forward with the grand reunion and everything because that would be a little overwhelming for a spirit that's laying there trying to bargain with God to get back into their body for one more breath. They kind of have to go through the acceptance and even a little a kind of a grieving stages um, before they have that acceptance that they've died and then they can go over and then they get the grand reception just like like the people that do naturally. And of course, then there are near-death experiences and they're all handled differently. So, um, but a lot of people do know when their time is coming to cross. My mother, for instance, um, started wheeling around the facility that she was in saying goodbye to people and telling them, you know, I'm going to go home to heaven tomorrow. And she even told one lady who had just had her dog put down a couple of days before that she would watch the dog for her on the other side until she could get there to to be with the dog again. And lo and behold, my mother passed away the next day. And then she was telling people that. So a lot of times they do know. 
and um, they'll they'll start talking about it, or even they'll say something like, "Hey, if something happens to me, will you be sure that the, that so and so gets my cat?" You know, and just out of the blue, sometimes these comments, and then the next day they they they, they cross over even unexpectedly. But these things do happen, and um, I have a lady um, that had come to the facility that I was working in named Abigail. And she had come to the facility with her husband because his health was declining and they needed the three levels of care, which we had the, the uh, dependent, independent, I mean, independent um, assisted living and skilled. And I worked in the skilled unit and um, it just so happened that Abigail slipped and fractured her hip. So she ended up on my unit and so we kind of built built a rapport with each other. And there was one day that I came in and Abigail was upset. And I went into her room and she said to me, she said, Lynn, she said, do you think I'm crazy? And I kind of was teasing her a little bit because we had that rapport. And I'm like, define crazy. And she says, no, I mean, crazy, crazy. And I said, well, no, of course not. Why would you even say something like that? And she said, I see my parents. She said, I know that they're both dead. She says, I know they passed away over 20 years ago, but I see my parents and it makes me happy. She said, but now they're talking about putting me on medication for hallucinations because I'm seeing my parents. And I told her, I said, well, you know, I heard a report today that they're going to be discharging you tomorrow. And as your advocate, you can refuse any medication as long as you are of sound mind, you do not have to take that medication. Of course, she was happy with hearing that, and she was discharged the next day. And then about six months later, her health started to dec- decline drastically, and she ended up on my unit again. And this time, in addition to seeing her parents... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. She was seeing this woman with this little girl and. She would sneak cookies and desserts from the dining room to take back to her room to give to the little girl. And this, of course, was creating a bug problem. So we had to stop her from doing that. But um, there was one particular day that a friend of mine needed off. So she asked me if I would cover her. I normally work the night shift, but I came in for her and worked this day shift. And I all of the residents had been placed back into their rooms after lunch and I was getting ready to head down the hallway to do my treatments. And as I'm passing Abigail's room, I see this woman and this little girl standing in her room. And I'm like, oh, wow, you know, great. You know, Abigail's got some visitors today. And then I kind of stopped and thought, and I'm like, well, wait a minute. I don't remember them signing in at the nurse's station and we have to have a head count in the building 
so that there's an emergency, the fire department has to come, they know how many people to get out of the building. But um, the way that Abigail was sitting in her room, there was a giant picture window with like the American air conditioners and hotels underneath the window, kind of like that. And she was in a recliner off to the side and she was leaning forward with this yellow butterscotch wrapped candy. And anybody else that would have walked past, it would have looked like she was trying to feed the air conditioner. But she was offering the candy to the little girl that was in front of her. And so I stepped back. I only had gone about three steps forward. I stepped back. I knocked on her door frame. She invited me in. And of course, when I walk in, there's nothing there. But I can see the waffling right right next to me in the air. So I knew that the spirits were still present. And Abigail says to me, she says, oh, I want you to meet my friends. She says, isn't the little girl uh, uh, you know, pretty? And I said, yes, she is. And Abigail leans forward and she says, can you see them? And I said, um, yes. And she said, don't tell anybody because they'll think you're crazy and put you on medication. So here this woman, even though she was being heavily medicated for hallucinations, was still seeing her parents and these ghosts because, well, these spirits, um, because she was not hallucinating and she had the wherewithal to know the difference. So, um, this kind of thing happens. It just so happened that Abigail, about a month, month and a half after that, was in a rapid decline. And um, she didn't have children or anything. So, um, you know, she kind of adopted me a, a little bit in that way. But I came in on my shift and she was doing this thing called rallying that nurses know what this is, where you kind of there are times that the spirits uh, the person's eyes are kind of glazed over and their toes are flaccid. And then all of a sudden they'll come back into body. The body will jump. The eyes will brighten up and the feet will, the toes will perk. And this is where they're kind of testing the dimensions going in and out. And um, she was, had been doing that. And I came into her room and I started patting her hand and stroking her arm. And I said, hi, Miss Abigail, it's Lynn. I'm here to check your blood pressure. And her eyes just kind of pop open. And she said, I'm so glad that I get to see you one more time. And she said, my parents are coming for me tomorrow and I'm going to go home. Well, of course, I knew what this meant. So I said to her, I said, you precious lady, I said, thank you, you know, so much for allowing me to be part of your healthcare team. And she said, and I want to tell you something. And it, it makes me cry just thinking about what she told me. She said, you're very much loved on the other side and you need to keep doing what you're doing. And like I said, it, I'm, try not to tear up here, but um, I, I told her, I said, you precious lady, I said, you know, um, we, we will definitely meet again. And she said, we most certainly will. And, you know, she that was the last time she was coherent during the night and, and spoke anything. So about the next night I was off and around 10, 1030, I feel her, I made it home. And lo and behold, she did pass away at around 1030 the next night. So she was seeing these spirits that were coming in for her and people that are getting close to death also see them. I've got some other things I can share too, if you want me to. Well, we got six minutes to go and I'll tell you right now, looking at the comments in our chat room, they are enthralled by these amazing stories that you have. And, you know, I, I do have a question for you. When the patients asked you if you could see them and you confirmed that you could, what did that what was the patient's reaction to that because 
I'm pretty sure that's not a standard answer. <laughs> well, like Abigail was the the prime thing. I mean, she literally almost came out of her chair leaning forward like what? I mean, I could see them so clearly that the lady had on a denim skirt and a peasant blouse. The little girl had on a light colored dress with a little pinafore, Mary Jane shoes with black hair with bangs. And um, so, I mean, her response was, like she said, she said, don't tell anybody. They'll think you're crazy, you know, that they, that they had the wherewithal. And sometimes it would be like with a couple of, of other patients that I kind of connected with that way. It was kind of like our secret, you know. So, you know, and I would, I would you know, keep that secret for them. But the thing that's ironic is, I mean, I even had a, a client with Alzheimer's. Um, this lady had had... She'd been with us for several years. I had been working at this facility for seven years at this point. And I remember when she was up walking around talking. And she, for three years, she had not spoken one word. And that day I was at the nurse's station. She was kind of tooling along in her wheelchair with her feet. And she stops in front of the nurse's station. And I'm like, oh, wow, there's Shirley. You know, she's uh, just, she must be looking at something. And I go into the nurse's station. I'm picking up my charts. I'm getting ready to do my med pass. And all of a sudden, I hear this woman yelling, take me home. Take me home. Please, please take me home. And I turn around to come out and see who's calling. And I look down the hallway both both ways. And I assume that since the yelling stopped, that a CNA maybe went in to assist the person that needed the help. And so I turn back around and go back to pull, finish pulling my charts. And again, take me home, take me home, please, please take me home. And I turn around and it's Shirley. I haven't heard her voice in three years. It's her. So I walk over to her and I pat her arm and I say, Miss Shirley, you know, um, what, what, who were you asking to take you home? And we had a patient in the hallway to the right, the first door on the right, that was actively passing, and she points down the hallway towards that woman's room and says, look at the angels. Aren't they beautiful? Don't you see the angels? And then she continued, please, please, please take me home. Well, of course, I looked down there at first, and I didn't see anything, but then I looked again, and you could see the angels and this woman's loved ones literally bulging out of the wall into the hallway, and this is what Shirley was seeing. And Shirley herself then passed away about three, four months later. So, yeah, I mean. All that take me home. Are you sure she wasn't singing Paradise City by Guns N' Roses? <laughs> maybe, maybe she was. I would have been. <laughs> I would have been. I've instructed everybody in my will that, because I'm going to be cremated. That That's one thing I do now. That the minute my box starts to go in, I need Paradise City played. That That's the one rule I have. Oh, and no suit, no suit. I'm going in shorts and my ball cap. I love that. When my father passed away, he wanted us all to eat potato salad on the beach and play Pink Floyd off the wall. Absolutely. How, yeah. How can you do that? How can you not do that? How can you not do that? I mean, why be stuffy? Why do, why do you need a suit on? You know, I'm, I'm going up there. I, there's my ball cap right there. That'll go with me. Yeah. Right, you're going to be stuck in that suit a long time. Yeah, exactly. So we may as well wear something comfy. <laughs> you know, it's like a long plane ride. You know, you got to be comfy, and you got to be able to, you know, in case you got to scratch yourself, you got to be able to, you know, get to those areas where you need to scratch. You know, like middle of the back or something like that. It's it's terrible. You know, but um, 
we got two minutes to go here before we got to go to break at the top of the hour. Lynn Monet is our guest tonight on Spaced Out Radio. Lynn, you know, you mentioned that one person who didn't have any spirit there to kind of, and they were fighting death. I, I was curious about that because would that be a patient on a religious side that might be fearful of going to hell? You know, I wondered about that, and that was actually my feeling, but I don't have fact about it. I mean, so many people, again, you know, they have that choice to cross over or not, and a lot of people that choose not to cross over, it's because of religious-based, you know, um, beliefs that they have or that they've been instilled with them over time um, that way. But I don't know. it, It was shocking to me because normally they start coming in around the time that the person's rallying. And you can normally see them up around the head of the bed. Uh, that's where they kind of come come in and then along the wall. But this man had nobody. And I mean, I worked the weekends and the last that I had seen him was on a Sunday and he passed away like the following Wednesday. But he was, I mean, we had expected him to pass away way before that. So I don't know if he was actually waiting for somebody to come, you know, that he wanted to see before he passed away because none of his family came. So I don't know if he was some kind of a tyrant or something, but yeah, he, he died alone. I mean, other than with staff, of course, with the room, but not, not any loved ones there. How, how often does that happen? We got 20 seconds where somebody dies alone. I mean, that is the, it, the ultimate in my, in my experience, that would be the ultimate, you know, slap to the face on the way out. Some people do want to die alone. They don't want my father didn't want us in the room when he passed away. So he waited for us to leave when he passed. He didn't want to have that part of it. But there are sometimes that it, that are there. Oh, go ahead. Well, you know what? Let's finish that answer when we return okay. on Spaced Out Radio. Author Lynn Monet, brand new book out, can be found on Amazon or her website, lynnmonet.com, The Colors of Heaven. We're going to get more into what it's like to travel to the other side when we return on Spaced Out Radio. Stay tuned. Our audience is loving you tonight. Just reading these these amazing comments for you. Can they, are they able to hear us right now? Yes, they are. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't want, I don't want to give anything away yet. But uh, oh, one thing I do, I will share with you that all of you can hear while we're on this break time is my mother every once in a while um, comes through like a megaphone. And I had asked her about the eating thing because I like food. So I had asked her at one point if, you know, did, didn't she miss the taste I of potato right salad? Back, okay. I'll be right okay. back and dirty filth. Once you're done, dirty filth is going to tell us what he's drawing. Okay. You know what? I'll wait for you to come back because this is a cute story. So. What is he drawing there? I'm currently drawing six more characters for the Dramatis Personae in oh, my wow. book that I'm working on. There you go. This was the the first set. Got a Grayling, a Sasquatch, a Man in Black, a Mothman, Nightcrawler. Oh wow! And wow. A goblin. I love them. What you're, you're really, that's amazing. You're doing a really, really great job. Thanks. So this is what it looks like beforehand. And then when it's all done and I ink it up, it's, it actually looks more than, looks a lot better than blobs on the paper. 
Oh, well, so are you going to finish this tonight so we can see this new one that you're drawing? Definitely. Oh, yay. I'm looking forward to it. That's great. I bet, you know, that's kind of also like borderline anime, but it's anime with a twist with the Bigfoot and the alien thing going on. So, yeah, I bet that's really your your drawings must be really, really popular. Do you like put them out in any any, um, you know, forum that people can can um, see them? I have Instagram and my website and I have one book published. Oh, wow. uh, I share it on Twitter all the time, too, and all the social media things. Wow. Well, I bet you you're very I'm sure I'm certain that you're very popular, so. I'm, I'm sure you have a huge following with, with that. They're, those are amazing. Well, my mom says I'm cool. <laughs> I've been doing it for, oh, geez, I started drawing on the show, I think, in July. It looks relaxing. Some people call it distracting. Do you meditate I, or anything while you're doing it? I mean, I can imagine that. To be know. honest, when I don't have to talk and I'm just sitting here, I just mm-hmm. zone out and I go into this. I don't know. I guess it'd be meditation. I guess I. There I you just kind of. Next thing I know, Dave's like, "Oh, half an hour's up. Dirty filth. You got to talk." And I'm struggling to unmute everything. And. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Oh, I enjoy doing it. You can tell, and you're very good at it. So that that's a bonus. I've actually been getting a lot better than lately. I've been drawing cartoons for Dave for I think like three years now. Wow! But I never used to do it on the show. I've just listened in and then draw something and then share it. Well, this is very cool. This is very very cool. I love it. Well, I appreciate the kind words. I figured. Because I'm doing another book, I figured I might as well update the characters in the from the first one. Because I got there. You go. Now, when you're doing these, do you are you able to see when, before you start drawing them? Do you have the impression in your mind of what they're going to look like finished? For the most part, yeah. I've yeah. been drawing the same characters for a while, but usually I sit down. And I have no idea what I'm going to draw, and I get about like three minutes to figure it out, and then I. Yeah, I I, kind of like the pressure like that. Yeah, there you go. That's that's awesome. I did did learn something about the other side. Um, I also like to paint. I use acrylics, and um, that's why I asked you about if you kind of see them finished before you even start. So that's, you know, how you know how to go in and start the the painting. And um, actually, some of the artwork that we have done here – we also have in our homes on the other side. So oftentimes some of the things that you're doing because you can see them finished is because you have painted them before. So I thought yeah, that was I, interesting to learn. That's in, that is pretty interesting. Once, once I have an idea of what I want to draw, I generally mm-hmm. see it. And I don't, a lot of artists always say it's difficult to translate what's on their mind to the paper. Mm-hmm. I've just been working on trying to focus a little harder, and I can do that so now. It's, who's the fluffy? You got a little baby there. Who's well, the kitty? Don't eat that. That's Bowser. <laughs> Hi, Bowser. Uh, Mrs. Filth picked him and his brother Roscoe up yesterday. 
Aww. so far he's he's not too much of a Rediger, but <laughs> the other two cats aren't very happy about it. Oh well, I'm you know they'll all work it out. So <laughs> he's going to help you paint. <laughs> he's going to join the orchestra soon enough. Looking good, dirty filth. Looking good. Uh, yeah, thanks, isn't Dave. It I comb my hair for you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> let's let's say a. Uh, uh, a big hello to River Dogma and National Disgrace. Welcome to our chat room. Who else has joined here late? Scrolling up. Uh, Pixie Lara, thank you so much for adding to the super chat along with Lily Pond and Louie. The super chat is a wonderful way to support what we do on this show on a nightly uh, basis. So thank you so much for the love. We appreciate it. We're going to get going here in about three seconds. So I'm just going to keep quiet here. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio with Dave Scott. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio and on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Hour number two of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We very much appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davy the favor. Hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Beneficiate. Beneficiate is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets a password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website, spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on with author Lynn Monet, her website, lynnmonet.com. The Colors of Heaven is her brand new book that just got put out just a couple of days ago. And we're so glad to have Lynn back. And just by looking at our audience uh, remarks in our chat room, they are loving you tonight, Lynn. Just absolutely loving you. And I'm trying to convince Lynn to come to our Vegas party on May 19th to 21st at the Golden Nugget in Las Vegas for all of our fans for the second annual Space Out Radio fan party. And we'd love all of you to come on in as well. There's more details on our website. But Lynn, thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us tonight. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And I wanted to say too, I am not able to see the chat. So please don't feel ignored. I really, really am very, very thankful for the comments and the support. So um, hello, everybody. And thank you. And I send you much love and light. All right, I want to ask, got some audience questions here I want to ask right off the bat. Skip to my Lou is asking, can a deaf person hear voices from the other side? You know, that is a good question. I, I, I really don't know how to answer that one. However, when they are actively crossing over, I'm sure that they can hear the telepathy from the other side because all of that effaces and um, they're able to communicate with the other side. All right, let's move on to another question from Mr. Catfish. Why were we born on Earth? Why do we have to come here? Oh, don't I wish I had all of the answers for that. Earth um, Earth is, is 
considered one of the hardest planets to come to. We're literally seen as heroes on the other side when we finish our lifetime here. We come here for schooling and lessons that we do need to learn to evolve and to become more whole and our lights become brighter. Um, so it, yes, sometimes I feel like I got off on the, on the wrong planet, but in a nutshell, that, that's why, why we were born to come here. We have goals to meet. We have things to accomplish and, um, and it is hard. It's not fun here at all for, for a lot of people. No, that's, that's very true. Very, very true. And I, I've wondered that same thing as well. Let's go to Dr. Kelly Schultz here, who is asking, have you ever experienced anything in the room as slamming shut or flying about the room at some point when someone is passing? I have. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Not, I have experienced that away from of individuals passing. Um, in my own experience, um, be, dealing with a haunted house that I was never able to move in, as well as uh, clearing houses now, hauntings, taking attachments off of people. I see that a lot. So, But I've never <clears throat> seen that with a person that's been passing more on a dark side. It's usually more of the light coming in that way. I've never seen demons come and, and, and attend, you know, somebody crossing over and things like that. But I can tell you what, when the lost souls that choose not to cross over, they're stuck in that fourth dimension, kind of between the third, which is where we're at, and the fifth, which is technically where the other side is, or heaven or home, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, they see some stuff in that fourth dimension, because it's a, also a portal area where demons and, and lost souls and, and aliens and things use that is portals as well as camouflage between the veils so that they can even do things on this earth and, and not be seen. So, um, yeah, you can see a lot of things flying around in there. Let's go to the Doug Shelby who is asking, okay, I'm going to be a downer, I guess, but Lynn, have you witnessed a non-happy, non-beautiful passing? Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, in the sense of the way that the person has, has reacted or, or, or the family has reacted. And again, everything is learned. The thing that, that really, really um, is pulls on my heart is when I am dealing with a patient that has been diagnosed, say, for instance, with cancer, and they've been given a very, very, very short time. And instead of making arrangements and living out that last week to the fullest and taking that opportunity to tell loved ones that they love them, they die in that moment. They immediately 
become depressed and they go to bed and they curl up in fetal position and just wait this lay there waiting for death to come um, instead of still trying to, to enjoy life. So um, that that's kind of where it's not so, not so beautiful, but the beings still do come in for them to help them cross over. Really? If that makes sense. That's very interesting to me. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get a Mennonite Abe here. Do you believe angels interact with us on Earth? Yes. Why is that? Well, because um, I've actually, when my mother passed away, I was able to interact with some of the, actually, they interacted with me as they were crossing and they were leaning over and, and touching my head. And they didn't have to allow me to see them. So um, being being an end of life, uh, care with people and seeing people pass a, pass away. I walk in and out of room all of the times time with angels and they're tolerant of me being there. So um, yes, I do believe so. I also believe that sometimes they step in for things to assist us and, and they don't always appear with the wings and the, and the spirit form. Sometimes it's the little old lady getting on the interstate, holding up traffic that everybody's cussing out and honking at, but they don't realize until they cross over and come back to that point, which you will, um, that she actually saved your life. Because if you had been clipping along at the pace that you had intended to, five minutes down the road, you could have been in an accident. So, you know, there are also earth angels that that do, you know, help kind of help us bump us and keep us on our, our path and keep us safe. All right. Let me... Let me uh, see what we uh, else we got here. Uh, let's go to Melinda, or pardon me, Melissa here, who is asking, Lynn, have you ever had a near-death experience? Um, I have. Um, I have. I, I actually had some surgery done, and I um, there, w- there was a vessel that was cut in my chest that I started bleeding, and I remember going up into the, the circle and up into the light. And at that time, I actually stood up on top of the cloud, and I'm like, no, 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 I'm a single mother, I need to go back. And they came and told me that I did need to go back. But my father had a very profound um, near de- near-death experience. Um, he had gone to his doctor and they for his yearly physical, and they found a bulging vein in his eye. My father was not a religious man. He was a raging alcoholic. I mean, he was abusive. He was a very difficult man, very intelligent man, but very difficult man. And so they rushed him to the hospital because the bulging vein in his eye indicated that he had a clot somewhere that was occluding um, some of the vessels, the, the major vessels. So when they got him to the hospital, they found that he did have a large clot and it was moving so quickly that they couldn't dissolve it in time. So they actually had to surgically remove it. And he remembered being in the recovery room and the nurse was giving him some pain medication, some morphine. And this voice came over him and said, no, you know, don't take that. So when he verbalized, it was too late. The nurse had already pushed the the um, IV morphine um, through and my father said that everything went black that he started floating in this tunnel that was dark but it had like sparkling golden stars all around as he was kind of entering up he said it was very warm he could also was very aware of other souls that were also kind of floating in, in, in distances away from him. He made mention also being able to turn over once he got to the ceiling, being able to turn over. He saw them bringing in the crash carts 
and all of the doctors and the nurses standing over him. And then he turned and continued upward. And he said so, he said that one of the things that I found that were also verified by other people that I've talked to about um, near-death experiences is that he was able to be six places simultaneously. So in that moment, he was able to be with, he had six children. My sister had already passed away. He did get to see her. But earthbound, he was with all five of his remaining children and his new wife that had just come from Russia. And he was actually given the choice of whether he wanted to return or to continue over, because sometimes you will be given that choice. And he, in that moment, he was with all of his children. He even told me after the fact what shirt I had on. And I was living in a different state, and he had never even seen the shirt. But the way that he described it with the pastel stripes it was my favorite shirt. So he was standing next to me in spirit, noticing that. And um, he then looked at his wife, who he had just recently married six months earlier, and she was from Russia, and she didn't even know how to drive. So he chose to come back in. And he remembers coming back through that ceiling and going into his body and feeling the pain of the surgery and feeling the weight of his body type thing. But it, it he was a changed man because... He was also able to see a portion of his life review of where he had been very awful to people and he was drinking and all of those things. And he was so different when he came back. He immediately stopped drinking. He came and apologized to his children, to his ex-wife, to, you know, many, many people that he hurt. And he got things in order for his his um, his his bride um, so that when his time did come, which he then ended up passing away at 93 years old, but he was able to get everything in order. But it did change him. And he was a very humble, dear man after that happened. That, that's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Let's go to more audience questions here. Let's go to Robert, who is asking, do we all reincarnate? I I believe that we do reincarnate or we have reincarnated. I believe that at a certain point from what I've learned, you don't always have to reincarnate. Um, if you've gotten to the point that you've basically gotten everything that you need. But the thing is, is we don't just reincarnate on earth. Um, the thing about heaven is that when we do do our life review, um, we are brought to the things that, that we did were good. We also are shown the things that we didn't do so well a lot of times people then, because they didn't meet certain goals, have kind of a schooling thing to go through. They also have this big hallway that they call, I, I may not pronounce it correctly, I call it the Akashic Records or Akashic Records, where there are cubbies like in this long hallway. And over the cubbies, some of them have veils and those veils are missed opportunities that we have missed in lifetime that we could have taken to make life easier um, in a lot of ways. So, um, but after we go through that, we do have homes in heaven also, but we don't stay there. We, the, heaven almost turns into, once we have um, accomplished the, the schooling and the things, we can be put back to come here. But a lot of times heaven then kind of is like, a, like an airport with terminals and you are then going off to other solar systems, other dimensions, other things like that. So they're very, very busy on the other side. So mm. I, I hope that answered that. And here <laughs> I was hoping to watch 
Freddie Mercury playing with Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> and you and you can because they can be in six places at one time. That's not only that's it spiritually. So they can be in heaven and be standing next to you, or they can be in another solar system or dimension. But that's um, kind of how my dad explained that it works. So, all right, let's go to Vaughn here. Vaughn is asking, Lynn, have you ever heard someone? to plead not to be taken as they feel they've seen the undesirable part of afterlife? No, I've never, ever seen anybody plead not to go. They, they have a peace that comes over them and they act. Well, I take that back. I do take that back. There was one time that there was a sudden death where a man had gone, his car had gone underneath a tanker that was turning into a gas station with gas and he was decapitated. And my daughter... Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Her and I were coming up on the the accident, and of course we were stopped. And my daughter, she was like four years old at the time. She says to me, she says, "Mommy," she says, "Who's that man with ketchup on his face?" And I'm like what man with ketchup on his face? And she says, the one that's looking at me in the window. So when I turned out of my peripheral vision, I could see this frantic man standing there. The ketchup was was like blood, but he was in, in spirit form. And he was going then from car to car, desperate looking for help. And it turned out that a man had died in that accident, but it was a ghost that was going from car to car. So I don't know if that's if that's what you mean by that. I'm sure that he was bargaining. He was he seemed very, very distraught. And of course, when there is a sudden death, usually there's one soul, one um, spirit person from the other side that is sent in that they do recognize to help them. As I mentioned before, they don't come in with the whole reception thing because it would be a little overwhelming while you're still trying to bargain for life. But um yeah, I mean it does it does happen but it's more um not because it's not because it's undesirable. Eventually when they also um come to terms with the fact that they've died, it's a very beautiful love loving warm thing. I being able to engage with that with my mother when she passed away, it's 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 like having the most satisfying food or feeling that that you've missed forever and you just are so drawn into it it's it's not ever undesirable let's continue on with uh, more questions here from our audience let's go over to hilton do the spirits get surprised that you see them or they just know they just know 
<laughs> they just know they tolerate me. So, yeah. <laughs> and Hadley would like to know, does it hurt when you die? No, no, it does not. It does not at all. You know, sometimes people, we recommend that they have oxygen on just as a comfort measure <clears throat> because sometimes the reduction in the oxygen when they start to dehydrate and they get that fruity smell of their breath, they'll get cramps. But no, it does not hurt to die at all. It's just a matter of shedding your skin and stepping out. Right. Um, you know, you don't die. You None of us die. We don't die. Again, you know, energy can't be created or destroyed. So if you want to come from a scientific angle and not a spiritual, um, you know, coming from the spiritual direction that, um, you know, it just, no, it's just the shedding and you go. So I want to ask you, uh, while we're waiting for more audience questions here, Earlier in this show, you mentioned about, you know, there's a couple types of death. There's there's one where, you know, you're you're waiting for it in a, in a hospice or in a hospital or whatever, but then there's a sudden shock type death, you know, whether someone is murdered or whether someone is in a car accident or, or you know, take a, a, a grotesque event like, like 9-11 where the building collapsed on so many people. You know, I mean, I look at situations like that. And I just wonder, you know, what happens to those people where, you know, death happens at a shock? I mean, they must just be standing there wondering what the hell just happened. Yes, they are. And again, they have to go through the understanding that they have that they've died and they go through the grieving process and the bargain because it's like all of a sudden they're thinking, well, I've got to call my, my spouse and let them know, well, you're dead. You can't call your spouse and let them know type thing or wait a minute, you know, I didn't even eat my lunch. You know, they have a lot of these thoughts because they're still in the motion of being alive and going forward. So it, it is, it is a huge shock to them when things like that happen. And um, I want to bring up to suicide, um, suicide, is considered a sudden death. Suicide does not get the reception that a person with a near-death experience gets. They um, they don't go to hell. Okay, uh, we are not. Uh, when we cross over, we are not judged. We judge ourselves. And really, if you think about it, that's more effective. Instead of having somebody stand there and say, "Oh, you did a naughty deed." We have to be placed in the shoes of the person that we hurt or in the situation and to see the rippling effect of it. So we ha you have to own it um, when, when you are judging yourself. So, But in the case of like suicide, suicide is never, ever, ever meant to be an option. Now, granted, there are some times that it happens with somebody that is suffering severely from mental illness or an accidental kind of thing, maybe an accidental overdose or something, and that is a little bit different. When someone has committed suicide out of spite to get even with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a family member, or they, you know, it, it, is, it is such a huge, it is frowned upon not only here, but also it adversely affects the other side because you have a contract when you come here and there are other people, including your own children coming in that if you don't, you know, they're all counting on you to be there so that they can also meet their goals. And when you disappear early, it, re it creates a rippling effect um, that, that not only affects the people here, but it also affects the people on the other side in an adverse way. So usually those people are 
placed in an area separate from everyone. They do have a spirit that comes to go with them. They go through a tremendous amount of schooling and that they are placed, embodied, and put back here um, in, in a similar situation, sometimes even worse than what they were in before so that they can live out life up to that point and follow through and not cut their life short um, with that. So sometimes people, you know, they want to know about suicide. Okay. So, you know, when someone takes their own life, I mean, we always thought that, you know, this goes against everything uh, religious, so to speak, as we got about 90 seconds to go here before we go to break. What about people who commit crimes like like murder or, or something along those lines, and they're executed or they die in prison? You know, many of them find God, many of them find religion or, or peace with what they did. But I mean, is there really a price to pay in the afterlife? You know, again, we are, we are not we are not judged. And you have to realize that sometimes those people are meeting a karma, like maybe you killed them in another lifetime or or for instance, that death was meant to happen and it just so happened that it happened by a murder, but if it had, they hadn't been murdered, they would have been in an accident or something, because when your contract is up, your contract is up regardless of the way that you go out. So it's kind of looked at differently that way. Now, granted, there are weirdos like pedophiles and things like that, but everything, everything has a reason, even though it appears to be awful, you know, you just never know what, what other lifetimes have held that has put that person here to do that sort of thing. If well, that makes sense. You know what? It's hard to make sense of it. I think you explained it very, very well, but it's still very hard and difficult to make, make sense of that. Lynn, we got you for another 30 minutes here on Spaced Out Radio. We got a bunch more questions from our audience coming up here. And this is just absolutely enthralling conversation. You can go to Lynn's website, lynnmonet.com. You can check out her books, her latest one, just released a few days ago The Colors of Heaven. Make sure you check that one on out. Just a fantastic night of radio with author Lynn Monet. Stay tuned. We got lots more of Spaced Out Radio when we return. All right, we're clear. Yay. What I was going to share with you before, if I may, about the eating thing is I had asked my mom, if, you know, I said, Mom, you know, don't you ever miss the taste of potato salad or barbecued ribs or those brownies that you used to make? And she came through and like a megaphone. And she said to me, she said, well, here we don't eat. And I'm like, well, yeah, you know, of course you don't eat. And she's like, but we do everything by thought. She said, if we want to go somewhere, we think about it and we just go. If we want to be with someone, we think about them and we're there. She said, so when it comes to food and eating, if there's something that we want to experience that we did experience when we were living on Earth or another planet in another solar system somewhere, she says, such as eating, she says, all that we have to do is think about it. So if she thinks, she said all she had to do was think about the potato salad or the brownies and the flavor and the sensation of eating it comes to them as if they are actually eating it. And I thought that was a really cool thing because, you know, no, wouldn't that be nice if we could do that here with no calories and stuff like that? So I thought that was interesting. 
That that is interesting. I've never heard that before. So yeah, I've I've been able to. Um, yeah, we've had some comical thing, com comical conversations too. My mom and I from the other side. So it's been she's around me a lot. I I never really even grieved her loss because I to me she's not dead. So. Well, that's awesome. Great thing. That is awesome. That is absolutely awesome. Our our audience, the comments we're getting uh, for you are just uh, uh, incredible. Mennonite Abe saying, "Come to Vegas to have more discussions." <laughs> oh yeah, we're. Gonna, I would love to. I we're gonna drag I Lynn to. there. We're gonna drag her there. <laughs> and Sibylla Irwin, who's in the chat room, another popular guest that we had on. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic. When I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Recently, she's got to come to Vegas too. Got to come to Vegas. Hey, Big Tex, how you doing, buddy? Silver Seven Wolf Moon, welcome to SOR Chat. And who else do we have in here? That's popped in late. You guys are uh, loving tonight. Loving tonight. I love it. Thank you. Gives me a, a nice night off of UFOs for once. <laughs> oh, Lynn, thank you so much for contacting me. Oh, it's my pleasure. And this is my third time on your show, by third? the way. Is it third? Third, yeah. Yeah, you had me on for my second book. So I think I've been here almost. I, Yeah, so I've been here. Yeah, this is my third time. Good. Over a two-year period. Yeah, Good. So, and I'll be back again. <laughs> yay, yay. Hope to see you in Vegas, that's for you, sure. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm really going to try to do that. You definitely need to do that. You definitely need to do that. There we go. We got our news ready for tonight. All right. Good question there, Hilton. I will get to that. Ghost Magnet 81. How you doing, man? Welcome back. How you doing there, Dirty Filth? You're looking pretty dirty down there. He's just painting away. I think he sings to himself while he plays, while he paints. By the way, abs amazing. absolutely heartbreaking news that Bob from Sesame Street passed away. Aw. Yeah. That's just heartbreaking news. I love Bob. He was, I couldn't, can't believe he was 90 years old. No way. Oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh. Wow. I know. 
That's just hard. That's almost hard. Wow. Yeah, Kirstie Allen just passed away too yeah. at 71. Kirstie yeah, it's Allen like. Today. When did she turn 71? Gosh, I remember her, you know. But then again, I'm going to be 60 in May, and it's like, what? <laughs> so I guess, yeah. Yeah. By, by the way, uh, Lynn is exactly 10 years and seven days older than me. <laughs> Woo-hoo. <laughs> You're like, yeah, shut the hell up, Dave. Shut the hell up over that. Space exposure. No. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> We've got 30 seconds. Thank you tonight to Steve and Vaughn and Melissa and Sibylla and Thomas and Lara and Lily Pond and Louie for the Super Chats tonight. Very much appreciate your love and support of SOR. And, of course, you can do your shopping at spacedoutradio.com. Go have uh, grab yourself some swag, and uh, we'll make it uh, look good for you. We will. Here we go. Second half of the show now. We pass the halfway point of Spaced Out Radio tonight. Good to have you with us. My name is Dave Scott. Very much appreciate earning your listening ears. Want to remind you that if you miss this show or others, or check out our free archives at youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor, hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire, check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight. Lynn Monet is here. She's author extraordinaire. You can find her books on Amazon or on her website, lynnmonet.com. We're having a great night talking about what happens when you die. Where do you go? Who's there with you? What's what's going on? What's the frequency, Kenneth? You know, we got to get all the questions in. And Lynn, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm so happy to be here. We got a bunch of questions from our audience for you. I bet. Um, I'm truly hoping that this does bring some comfort to to people. That that's the the whole intention. And um, yeah. Well, you're still scaring the daylights out of me, but that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. You know, you can learn so you can learn so much from a person that is actively passing. I mean, sometimes they even come in and out and talk about children that haven't been born yet. Got some stories about that too. Really, really amazing stuff. Well, let's start off with Lars in Sweden, who is asking, "Do I need any god to end up in heaven, or can I just live my life and love people?" You know, you can live your life and love people. It's it's it's. It's not the God part of it that comes in. There is, there is um, a creator, but um, the God part of it is the religious part of it where they, where it's, you kind of have that ingrained that you have to, to have, to have that. Believe me, you'll have your moment. Uh, George Carlin, um, somebody was channeling him uh, a while back and they said that when he got into heaven because he became like an atheist, he didn't believe in God. And when he got there, the first words out of his mouth, uh, I don't know if I can say this, was, oh, you know, 
kind of um oh crap uh, came, yeah oh crap um when he actually saw the beautiful beings and things that were coming forward for him so i've seen even seen atheists pass away with people that have come in to collect them as well i think that they all have a change of heart once they shift over so you know you can believe what what makes you happy and being good to people definitely counts a lot of times too people you know when they're here they assume that oh you know you know i'm a good person i don't speed and i pay my taxes but that's not the right kind of good it's those selfless kind acts of love towards people loving acts towards people that count the most on the other side so um you know yes keep loving people because if you keep loving people god will be happy all so. right let's continue on here midwest night watchers is asking did you hear music coming from the other side when they come to take them home or do people hear music? You know, um, my mother had mentioned that there is a scent, an individual unique scent for each person that crosses over. And I did not hear music, but there is a vibration almost again, that, that elation that, that comes um, that way. That doesn't mean that you won't hear music. I mean, some people can he hear music. I know that there is music on the other side. My mother has talked about that, especially one flower in particular that she calls an angel bell, that when you connect in with it, it resonates and play, it plays beautiful music. Um, so I guess, I guess, I don't know. I don't know for sure if you hear music at that time. I've never heard it mentioned. Usually you're so distracted by all of the other things going on and the, the feeling of warmth and the blanket of love that you're just encompassed in that is so beautiful. But, you know, music is different things. So the frequency that you're hearing could be music to your ears. Okay, another music question coming up here. This one from Skip to Malu. Is there a death malady? a sound that warns you beforehand. I, you know, I don't know. I, that, that I don't know. I've never heard anybody mention that. I've only heard them mention seeing people come in, but they do seem to know a lot of them, especially those that are actively declining at a gradual decline into a natural death, that they do know that their time is coming. So I'm not sure how they're signaled that. And I think that I will ask. You know, the next time that I have someone that is transitioning, I will ask them, how do you know that this is your time to pass? Are you hearing any kind of music? I will find that answer out for you, and I'll put it in my sequel to the next book. <laughs> Earlier this year, we had a listener of ours over in, I believe, the Netherlands. He, he went by Ethereal Aura in our chat room. He passed away February 25th, 2022. And right before he died, he came into our chat room to say goodbye because he was very unhealthy and had chosen doctor-assisted suicide. Now, the cool part mm -hmm. about it was we I put a sticky note on my, on my guitar right beside the studio here, and mm -hmm. it was straight. And I said, anytime you want to come visit the studio – Moved the sticky note. Well, one day, a couple months ago, <laughs> the sticky note moved, and it is now crooked. It moved about you know, 45 degrees on an angle, which is really, really cool. Mm 
So anyways, this kind of leads to our question from Judy here, which is what about assisted suicide? I mean, is, I mean, on this side, we look at it as compassion, but how's it ranked mm-hmm. on the other side? It, it is not seen as, as the suicide as someone who's committing suicide out of spite. Um, assisted suicide is considered more acceptable um, because it is the death is coming. Um, so it's seen completely different over there and they do get the reception and they are welcomed over there. Um, and the thing about your, the, the thing about your, um, your, your sticky note that you have there, um, people can make pacts with their loved ones before they, they cross over. Also, even if they have crossed over because they still have all of their senses on the other side, they can hear you, they can smell, they can see you. Um, so it, for a lot of times it brings comfort to people to make a pact with, with others. My mother, I made a pact with, and I asked her when she passed away during stressful times for me to be able to know that she was there to leave one of her long hair. She had hair long like mine, but it was pearlescent white. So on the day that she, of her funeral, I went in and I drew a bath, to, a bath and on top of my bubbles, when I came back in the room, lengthwise was laid one of her hairs. So to me, that was comforting, and I'm still finding her hairs all over the place, even though I have moved a couple of times. I'm not even riding in the same car that, that you know, she's never been in the vehicle that I have. She's never been in the house that I have. And even at Thanksgiving this year, one was laid across the, the chair of one of the seats. So they can do that to, to let you know that they are close by like the sticky note. They can do that. Okay, let me get to another question here from our audience. This one from Hilted. Is a multi-murderer and killing in a war for country judged differently or the same on Judgment Day? Again, you're not judged. You judge yourself. And um, it'll be the way that you judge yourself. If that makes it and how you feel, you will be placed in the shoe in the shoes of the person that maybe you shot feeling their fear and things like that. But, um, you know, again, when you're put into that position, it's, it's a mindset. It's not always something that you have control over. So there, again, you judge yourself. You are not judged. You will still cross over. You will still, you know, get all of the good things. However, some of the damage that it may have done to you with maybe post-traumatic stress and things like that, you may go through some schooling on the other side to kind of undo that and kind of understand, you know, where changes could have been made or different opportunities could have been taken. Okay, let's continue on here. Let's go to Mennonite Abe, who is asking, do you believe in the EVP phenomena? Yes. Yes, I do, um, especially since I had, again, that that uh, haunted house um, issue that I had. But I had them pe- people there with doing EVP readings and things like that. Um, I find that the EVP readings are more accurate with the ghosts that have remained earthbound um, than the spirits that, that come that come through to visit. It's, it's a different, it's a little bit different. It's more... I guess intense with the EVP readings and of the people that are that um, of the ghosts that have decided to stay here. So yes, I do believe in the EVP phenomena. Okay, ever had any cool messages from EVPs that you'd like to share? 
let's see. Um, usually mine are, are usually mine are more direct because I, I see people that, that have passed over. Um, I did recently, I was sitting in with a, um, what are they called? Shadow, uh, shadow box um, type thing. And recently my family did come through. I overheard people that I had known in the past that had crossed over that were, were talking and they were talking about my father being there and different things like that. But my messages usually come more direct, like from my mother and things like that. And, and people in the situation where, you know, I'm, I'm directly with a ghost at that point in time. Um, I have a funny story I can tell you about somebody that didn't cross over and why, if, if, if you want me to share that with you at some point. Uh, well, we got some time right now. Okay. Um, there was a, a patient that was actively passing, and I was standing in front of the, the door with my med cart, um, you know, getting some things for the, the patient to help them be more comfortable. And there was a sitting area, and in the sitting area there were pillars. And there was this male ghost that was peeking out from the side of this pillar. And I said to him, I said, hello. And he's kind of looking over his shoulder to see who I'm talking to because he's been ignored for probably a hundred years. And I said, no, you there, why haven't you passed, you know, why haven't you crossed over? And he realized that I was talking to him and he kind of came forward and, and he was a handsome man. He looked to be maybe 35, the clothes that he had on, um, appeared that he was upper middle class, not upper class, but upper middle class because they were nice clothes. Um, because he hadn't crossed over, he had a Swiss cheese appear appearance to his abdomen, which indicates to me that it's a corrosive disease like cirrhosis of the liver or cancer that actually that he died of because they, their wound of cause of death will show if they um, are still earthbound. Plus, they still have their mental illness and addictions and all of those things to, to deal with. So when he came over to the cart, I said, well, you know, why are you still here? You know, I've got a lady here that's getting ready to pass and her family and her, the angels are all here coming in to help her cross over. I can kind of hook you up, even though you don't have to do that. But I kind of wanted to let him know that he wouldn't be crossing alone. And he had this very, very heavy Irish brogue. And he came over and he said, me lady, I can't cross over. And I said, oh, yeah, sure you can. I can help you, you know, cross over. And he said, no. He said, my wife and my mistress are on the other side, and neither one knew about the other. Oh so that man, yes, yeah, so that spirit chose to stay earthbound because he didn't want to cross over and have to face his wife and mistress who were now on the other side that now found out about each other. So, yeah, so, you know, people stay for different reasons. Sometimes addiction holds them here. You wouldn't believe how many people, when I go into um, a sports bar or something like that, and you see a couple sitting there getting romantic, and there's this headless guy sitting there with his head trying to sniff the drink since they still have the, um, you know, the, the ability to have the senses. And, um, you know, or even somebody on a cigarette break, you know, you'd be surprised how many people you had, dead people you have trying to sniff that cigarette you know, standing around you. So a lot of times when you think you have a private moment, uh, you don't. Even in the peep show, you may have an audience with you. So don't think you have that private moment. There might be some uh, other people with those issues that like standing around you when you have your issues. So TMI <laughs> is asking, what about people having NDA, NDEs and reporting going to hell? 
you know, I've, I've heard of those and sometimes they dip down into the dimensions instead of going upward. And there's always a reason for that purpose. I've heard people talking about actually seeing um, the devil himself coming, crawling up out of a hole and trying to entice them to come. Um, a lot of time, obviously, they're not going to hell because it is an NDE and they're sent back. Um, and again, the NDEs don't get that big reception where they get to greet everybody. In the case of my father, he did get to see my deceased sister, but that was like the only person besides the spirit guide. But a lot of times, too, when they're in in that lower dimension, the people from the other side are kind of held back and they're they're not even really able to verbalize to the the person having the NDE that has gone lower until they're able to raise themselves back up into higher dimensions. All right. Let's go to another question here from our audience. This one comes from Terry. During the early 20th century, there was a study of the weight of a soul. Does the soul have any physical weight? I don't know. That, that's a good answer. I know that we are energy. I know that it can be detected through like EVP readings and things like that. So there are ways to measure it. However, I don't know if it's measured by a weight more so than an energetic um, response kind of thing. So I, I don't know. I don't really know the answer to that question. I think that's a fair answer. Let's go to Jenny. Have you ever experienced a death of a truly evil person? I experienced it in forensic psych. Wow. You know, um, I've been fortunate enough not, not to be in that setting. The setting that I'm usually in is in geriatrics and end-of-life care. Um, I've never been like in a jail or somewhere, but I have done a psychiatric rotation as a nurse. I had gone back to further my degree, and I had I was placed in the psychiatric ward doing this rotation, and there I was able to observe archon-type attachments on people with addiction as well as people with schizophrenia that were misdiagnosed and actually had attachments connected to their backs where they were, in fact, hearing voices because the attachments were on them. Okay, let's continue on here. Back to Terry. Some people during NDEs or near-death experiences say they go to a place of punishment when they return, how does that work? I've, I, you know, um, I personally have never heard of somebody going to a place of punishment other than dipping down into the the lower dimensions. Sometimes it's sometimes it's even accidental that they do that. But um, I, I'm again, you know, I'm not sure. I've never really heard of somebody. With the punishment, unless it's the way that they see it, you know, that when you go to the um, the life review, sometimes it's not pleasant if you have done things that aren't pleasant and you have in your life review, you you feel what you've created. You feel yourself bullying the, the child that you beat up and bullied in school and how that made that person feel. And it's not pleasant. So um, we there's a there's an author, Danny and Brinkley who wrote a book about a near-death experience. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Experience that he's had. Actually, a couple of them that he's had. And the, the most recent one that he came back from, he was hugging people more often. And a couple of people noticed and they asked me, they said, wow, you've really become a hugger. And he says, I'm not hugging you. I'm hugging me. Because when I cross over, all of these hugs that I've given, all of that feel good comes back to me. However, in the same token, when you have your life review and you've done some things that aren't very nice, that are hurtful, and you have to be put in the position of feeling the agony that you created it is not pleasant. So that might be what we're, what they're talking about is an awful place that they're feeling. I know my father went through that and his wasn't pleasant, but he came back a changed man. That is for sure. Have you ever astral traveled in to find a person on the other side after I, they pass? And, and I'll give you an example. I had a friend of mine pass away a number of years ago and um, he was quite atheist. And everything around him was black. I knew where he passed. I'd seen it and everything like that. And I felt like I really needed to get him out, out of that situation and get him out of there. You know, have you ever had an experience like that where you've had to astral travel to go save someone who may not have believed or show them where they are and what happened to let them know? Um, I have astro projected a lot of times when I go into meditation, I just automatically leave. Most of my ventures are upward. Um, I haven't during those times had to do that, but physically on the earthly dimension, I have many times helped people with depression and things like that cross over because being here on earth is in a dark place as well. I mean, they're, they're wandering around, on the earth without a body, you know, nobody to talk to them. They still have all of their addictions and things. It can be very dark, even still being on that earthly level. So I haven't done what you've done, but I kind of do it, do a different kind of thing. Cost me all my friends, to be honest. <laughs> all right. We got three, wow. we got three minutes and three questions. So let's go here. National Disgrace is ask, asking, so can a soul get stuck in limbo? Um, those souls that choose not to cross over, yes, that is being stuck in limbo. Like, like a da I called him Dapper Dan, like the gentleman that I explained about. He was stuck in limbo because he chose not to, not to cross over. And he, he wanted to remain earthbound. That, that is a form of limbo. Okay, let's go to Ghost Magnet. Did you find that you have more psychic abilities after your near-death experience? Yes. <laughs> yes. Always seems to pick up. That is one experience mm -hmm. that I never want to have, ever. I, it just freaks me out thinking about it. All out of body. All astral travel. 
Mm-hmm. But, but having a near-death experience, I'm not ready for that. I'm too young for that yet. Okay, let's go. You know what? Go ahead. The astro travel, the astro travel is actually very similar to leaving your body the, the same as it is when you cross over. I know, but I can do that. I don't want. Yeah, but you can go back. <laughs> you can go back to your body. Exactly. All right. <laughs> Final question from our audience tonight goes to Crave Dog Ollie. Have you ever witnessed guardian angels doing their work? You know, we all do have guardian angels. Uh, my mother has talked about them. I believe that some of the, the angels that come to help collect and help the transitioning soul or the soul that has crossed over to the other side is a guardian angel because one of those does stay with you while you're going through your life review. But my mother was mentioning we, when we're born, we do come in with guardian angels or souls. Guardian angel is kind of a broad term because you also have some of these more um, souls that could be from other solar systems that are also kind of watching over. But you also have a group of angels that interchange. And they interchange because they are also doing some schooling. They're, they're souls that have crossed over. Let's just say, for, for instance, like someone that's an alcoholic that has crossed over that didn't come to terms with their alcoholism before they crossed over. They will be placed into a position of schooling where they follow someone who is an alcoholic in order to help that person overcome their alcoholism. And they then also get the benefit of that as well and the credit for that as well. So when that person, that earthly person, no longer has the alcohol addiction, then the angel that was following them, helping guide them, then goes off to something else. And another one comes in where maybe they have something else to learn, like, you know, to learn about religion or to learn about something, you know, become vegetarian or something. And so they have another, you know, angel person that comes in. So you have multiple guardian angels and, and, and many of them stay with you for a lifetime, but there are several that interchange. Lynn, I want to say thank you for coming on Spaced Out Radio. Once again, you have blown away our audience. It's been absolutely fantastic. <laughs> thank you. LynnMonet.com, her brand new book, the Colors of Heaven. You can find it on our website or on Amazon. Coming up next, we're going to head to the swamp. Then, little Timmy Senor, the Timbit, is back for the UFO report. Lots of show left at hour number three. Stay tuned. Great show, my friend. Great show. Thank you so much for having me. I hope that I, you know, I hope that it definitely helps some people. So. Yep. And I hope anybody that I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I was going to say too. Um, my book omnipresent is sold through my website and all over Amazon. It's been released in Australia and India. However, Amazon's kind of, um, taken off with that book and I haven't really received any proceeds from it the way that I should be. So all of my new books I'm selling through my website only. Um, so if anybody Perfect. wants to get those, they can, they can find them at uh, com. Perfect. Lynn, we're going to say goodnight to you. And okay. uh, we hope to see you in Vegas in May. So stay in touch with me, please. I surely will. Thank you so All much. Right. for I'm, I'm honored. And I, everyone, love and light, thank you so much for being here. Don't forget to give it a thumbs up and subscribe. Absolutely. Lynn Monet, everybody, LynnMonet.com. We love you, Lynn. Take care. Love you, too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Isn't she amazing? Just amazing. Dirty Filth. 
it's up to you now to take us through what you're uh, creating tonight. I'll be right back, buddy. <clears throat>
Dirty, have you forgotten to turn your mic on the entire time? You did. Totally did. No. I could tell. I don't know what you're talking about, Dave. I could tell. <laughs> That's okay. We love you, buddy. I can't wait for our listeners. Well, I'm not saying it again. Hey, buddy, I can't wait for our listeners to get uh, cartoons from you at, in Las Vegas. I know you're building a bunch for it, and I really appreciate it. Uh, May 19th to 21st, 2023, you can find out more information on our website. we got some great events planned. Hi, Michael Gutierrez. Thank you to the Super Chatters tonight. Louie, Lily Pond, Lara, Thomas, Sibylla, Melissa, Vaughn, Steve, and Maggie. We very much appreciate it. Here we go, everyone. Would you like to connect with us? Head to spacedoutradio.com for all your latest show info. Now, back to Dave Scott and SOR. Third and final hour of Spaced Out Radio is now underway. Thank you so much for joining us. We really do appreciate earning your listening ears wherever you are on this beautiful planet we call Earth. Hello to everyone listening in on our terrestrial affiliates around North America, digitally on Odyssey Radio, TalkStream Live, and KPNL. All of our archives are free. Join us at youtube.com forward slash spaced out radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. The Desert Clam has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Beneficiate. Beneficiate is your password. Use it wisely, space travelers, as the clam sets the password each and every night right here on Spaced Out Radio. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio, Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show, and on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. It is time once again where we head to the swamp. Our resident swamp dweller takes us on another spooky journey. Hi, Spaced Out Radio listeners. This is Swamp Dweller. It's time for your nightly dose of spookiness on the show. If you have an interesting encounter or a spooky story that you would like to share, be sure to submit them in at swampdweller.net. You can also find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash swampdwellerreads. Now, let's chill out, relax, and together, let's enter the swamp. A few summers ago, I ended up working in a small garden outside my work since our workload slowed down in the summer. I worked at a factory surrounded by olive trees and other trees like apricot, peach, cherry, pear, and apple. Beyond the tree line, on one of the short ends of the small rectangular garden, there were a bunch of tall, thick weeds and shrubbery directly after the front of the tree line. On the garden fence itself at the end, thick, tangled grapevines had overgrown the wall of the garden and the chain-link perimeter fence of the property in that area. It was a scorching day, as it was July. The hummingbirds buzzed near the feeders, and the other birds sang their summer songs. I greeted our factory dog, Buddy, lazing outside the garden in the shade of an olive tree. He gazed at me with his neon-like blue eyes and wagged his black and white fluffy tail before dozing off again. I continued to chat with my buddy as I worked, just off in my safe little world. As I worked, I vaguely noticed the sounds of bushes and shrubbery rustling slightly, which I blew off as a breeze. But after a few minutes more, I realized that the rustling sounds were pretty constant, and after briefly glancing around many of the trees, 
I noticed that there didn't appear to be a breeze on that hot July day. So at that point, it was probably Buddy sniffing around the bushes. But that thought went out the window when I turned back towards the garden entrance for a shovel, and there was Buddy, still lazing in the same exact place I had left him. Now, if you know dogs, you know that Buddy should have been losing his crap right about that. Yet, he was resting there with no care in the world. I decided to give it a couple of more minutes to make sure. It could have been my husband, who also worked at the factory with me, or my boss or another co-worker, for all I knew. But as I casually paid attention to what I was hearing, I could tell that the movements were slow and deliberate. Whoever or whatever was in the grapevines and bushes was moving precisely. My heart began to race as I imagined a bear or a mountain lion stalking me. So I snuck out of the garden entrance and stepped over a couple of feet to investigate seeing through the thick shrubbery beyond the olive and cherry trees was difficult. I had to focus, like when you try to see one of those hidden 3D images. Once I did though, I started to see movement beyond the grapevines, bushes, and weeds. After a few seconds, I began to make out the shape of human legs. Whoever was there wore a pair of medium faded blue jeans and looked like some sort of black hiking or work boots. All I could think of at the time was, holy crap, it's a person. They were moving away from me towards the railroad tracks beyond the chain link perimeter fence. All I could think to do at that point was walk around the perimeter of the fence and up to the railroad tracks to see if I could get a better vantage point and see the person. I knew the person would be trapped by the perimeter fence hidden by the grapevines. Once I got up there, I saw a man crouched next to the chain link fence, staring right at me. It was strange to me because he wore the medium colored blue jeans and heavy black boots I mentioned earlier. Still, he also sported a black beanie, a dark hooded sweatshirt, and a backpack, all despite it being 100 plus degrees outside that day. As he stared at me with those dark, beady, close-set eyes, I asked him, Who are you? And why are you here? But he just stared at me, unblinking with a pale face, and didn't say a word to me. He just sat there, frozen and unmoving. Looking back, I don't think he blinked or moved at all. So I gave up after a few seconds and went into the factory to tell someone. I found my husband first, but he pretty much just dismissed it. So I went to my boss next. We both went back to the garden to investigate, but no one was there anymore. Just Buddy, casually wandering into the bushes towards the tracks. Being a dog, Buddy should have been more alarmed, yet he wasn't, which was weird to my boss. Just then, though, my co-worker arrived with his dog, who was promptly sent to investigate the area. Meanwhile, the other co-worker went inside the factory to get the forklift, which he drove outside to us. Then, we had my husband lift the forklift as high as we could so my co-worker could stand at a vantage point and get a good look for the guy, or maybe a car leaving or something, but I don't think he ever actually saw anything. Once we got back into the factory and inside the boss's air-conditioned office, the boss had something interesting to tell us about the night before. First off, he informed us that we all had no running water in the whole industrial park. However, the exciting part came when he explained why there was no water. The night before, a couple of guys tried stealing a big rig or something from one of the businesses located up past us in the park. When they tried to escape the truck after nearly getting caught, they tried to jump across a small creek where the water main coming into the industrial park happened to be. They of course didn't make it and ended up smashing the water main to all the businesses in the park. I would have to determine if the intruder amongst the grapevines was related to that incident. We called the sheriff just in case and they came out and took a report and got a description of the intruder from me. But of course, none of the outside security cameras caught it since it was behind the tree line and amongst the heavy shrubbery. But I guess we'll never know.
And that's why we love the Swamp Dweller around here, mixing it up on a nightly basis for us to spook us on out. Swamp Dweller is heard here to kick off hour number three every Monday through Friday. But if you want more, just go to his YouTube channel. Hit subscribe, youtube.com forward slash Swamp Dweller Reads, and you are right there for some great spooky stories, thousands of them for you to choose from. From spooky to what's flying in the sky, it's Timbit time. Tim Senor and the UFO Report. Nobody's going to know. They're going to know. What's going on, my man? How you been doing? Doing really well, Dave. How about yourself? I am doing good. I'm doing good. You know, uh, it's it's cold up here. It's uh, it won't stop snowing, but that's okay. I'm enjoying it. You know, I I, I feel bad though, man, because because <laughs> we're a few days into December now, and I still don't have my Christmas lights up. And usually I have them up very early, but I just haven't had time with, with the grandson being born and everything else that's going on. I haven't had time and I'm feeling guilty now. Oh yeah. Don't feel too bad. You're not alone. Uh, I live on a street and I think maybe a fifth of the houses are already decorated. So you're not alone. Uh Even in the U S we're dragging our feet a little bit this year too. Totally feel like I'm dragging my feet. Totally do. It's horrible. We spent we spent the day after Thanksgiving doing that. So we just took care of it. Our trees totally decorated the nine yards. We're ready. Wow. I got those I got little ones though. Yeah, well so, so do I. I just hai had time yet. We're you know, we're I'm still finishing off my house from all the renovations and everything and and right. and I just you know, so I don't have my baby. tree up yet. And you had a brand new baby in the family. Come on. I know. It's a great reason. I know. New addition. Come on. He's pretty cool, though. He's pretty, oh, yeah. He's pretty cool. The best gift of the season. It, you know what? <laughs> and uh, it's funny because I was saying, like, what else do I need this year? What else do I need? I don't need anything. A furry toque from your buddy Tim. True. And the audience. True. Which is winging its way on its way up to you up north, sir. Very so cool. as soon as you get it, you must don it and show us all. All right. I will do that. <laughs> I will Excellent. I, I will totally do that. Totally do that. You know, the UFO report, there, there's been a lot of stuff kind of going on recently regarding UFOs and, and everything. You know, we haven't really had a chance to talk about this uh, very much lately. But, you know, you have a report out of Canada that you wanted to mention. I do. Aviation is definitely in the news, both in your country up north there in Canada and down here. And my top two stories are going to be covering aviation. And so there's a curious collection of Canadian K-Doors cases. And to people that aren't familiar with K-Doors, it is the Daily Canadian Civil Aviation Occurrence Reporting System. Okay. And so this is a place where uh, pilots... And anyone in the aviation world can report and uh, it's uploaded and it's publicly uh, accessible. 
So the past few weeks, there have been a rash of recent incident reports of interest that have been made public by the Transport Canada. And so as recent as November 11th, 2022, the pilot of a commercial airliner flying from Montreal to Paris reported a a drone flying uncomfortably close to his aircraft. And the flight was at 9,000 feet, and the crew watched as the drone flew within 200 to 300 feet off the left wingtip. And this all took place as the airliner was approximately over the St. Hyacinth area over Quebec, about 40 kilometers east of Montreal. And so this was one of the noted Kador reports that I'll be covering. And of course, a drone is not necessarily a UFO, or is it? There have been considerable discussion within ufology and the UFO experts regarding the American government's revelation that many UFOs could be Chinese drones. UFO fans insist that UFO witnesses such as USN pilots, for example, would know the difference between a drone and anything else. In Canada, there's an interesting distinction between UFOs and drones, at least according to Transport Canada the Canuck version of the FAA in the USA. And so this is apart from the fact that Canada still uses the term UFO in official documentation of aerospace incident reports, UAP be damned, quote unquote. And so the Canadian Civil Aviation Daily Occurrence Reporting System, or KDORS, uh, and drone encounters are usually classified as such and are considered that they could potentially offer danger to aircraft, and so are reported thusly. Now, understanding, of course, uh, some of these considerations aren't necessarily uh, automatically deemed a drone. They may still be termed so in the reports. So now some aerospace researchers have pointed out that most drones fly at much less than 9,000 feet. So this was either a runaway toy or something more advanced. Was this a Chinese or Russian UAP, quote unquote. And so it's important to note, however, that even if this was a drone and not a UAP, the fact that it was in the flight path of a large commercial airliner shows that there is a need to monitor aerospace for such intrusions. And the collecting of reports and information on UAP and UFO is a serious and necessary exercise. And so I'm just going to breeze down through what they've come up with here as some of these being lasers, green lasers being shown from the ground up into aviation, along with other uh, obvious, what they're calling drone reports. But down at the very end of this report, I find that there's a very interesting quote. And it suggests here that some individuals have wondered about the lag in the reporting and the publishing of these incidents. But given the likelihood of bureaucratic red tape and slowdown in administrative process, the average time between an incident occurring and its report release is about 10 days, something that isn't really surprising. And so further, none of these cases suggest any kind of extraterrestrial activity as implied and is often explicitly stated by the UFO experts and seem to support the cautious tone offered by representatives of the American All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, Arrow or its predecessor, the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force, UAPTF. Really interesting report here coming in from Canada. I'm going to support with the U.S. version when we come back from break, but let's go ahead and dive into this. Dave, what is your 
surface feeling when you hear drone in a report like this? Do you automatically feel like the pilot was seeing a drone and just wanted to report it out of safety? Or do you think this was just drone to get the attention? Or do you think this was drone, quote unquote, an obvious UFO report? Well, I, I think we're using the word drone a little bit too much. And I think that's become a hotbed media term. Okay, the word drone, because there's still a stigma and an embarrassment around the word UFO or UAP. Not a lot of people understand what a UAP is. That's one of the main reasons why we stick to UFOs around here, because our audience knows what a UFO is. Okay, and I think the UAP, it's, you know, it's an American term that is, you know, Every, anytime something gets into government, it's got to change direction from what the public calls it. And I, I I just hate that term. I do. I hate that term with a passion. But that's for another day. But I think in media reports like this, the safe bet in getting the story out on any media outlet is the fact if you call it a drone. We don't have to believe it. Us in this field know it's something different. That pilot knows it's something different. And, you know, I wish we could get rid of that stigma. I mean, we have to remember, people, the majority of us in North America do not fly. We're passengers when we fly. We don't know how to fly an airplane. We don't know how to fly a jet. And we tend to forget that pilots, young and old, their job, whether they're flying a $55 million military aircraft, a multi-million dollar military helicopter, or they're flying a, a commercial liner, an Airbus or a Boeing or, or a Bombardier or whatever it may be with dozens if not hundreds of passengers in, their job is to have their eyes in the skies. They need to know everything that is around them. What could be anomalous that sticks out that isn't on their radar? They know. And I think we dumb down the subject on a media front because it's easier to report a drone than a UFO. And I think it's twofold, once again. I think it's the media not wanting to be embarrassed or even government officials who don't want to be embarrassed and say it is what it is, a UFO, number one. And number two, I think it's the fact that we want to keep things on the down low. We want to make sure that that we're not scaring people by saying unidentified flying object. There's still a big stigma out there, Tim, in North America. doesn't matter what side of the border you're on. That UFOs are scary. So that's my point on it. And I think that's reality. Yeah. And it seems like it's pretty easy to squash, you know, and it seems anything that comes from the FAA or any commission that regards themselves, any kind of knowledge on this, um, they want to squash any fear there is to fly. You know, they don't want people worrying about drones coming in contact with their flights any more than they want UFOs coming in contact with their flights. So the fact that they use them interactively or inter, 
changing, you know, between UFO and drone is almost irrelevant at this point because it seems like they're just trying to quieten down any fear whatsoever. But I feel that the fact that they even in this article question the use of drone signifies that there are some questions where it's coming from because as they stated, drones don't typically fly at 9,000 feet you know, or 20,000 feet as some of these incursions have happened in some of the reports. So unless it's a specialized drone from another country or one of our own, um, I don't see it being a drone. And so, you know, it comes back to UFO. Um, So when I hear drone, it sends up all kinds of red flags for me. And I automatically assume UFO until I'm sure it's drone, right? I like UFO because it could be a drone, but it could be aliens from another planet. (laughs) Oh, and you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And, you know, but when trying to predict, um, trying to predict, uh, you know, how the public is going to react, we do have to realize that the majority of people who are not in this field, people listening to this show, or not listening to this show or shows like ours, or they don't watch ancient aliens on TV or UFO documentaries. You know, the minute they see somebody in the media talking about it, they turn the channel or turn the page or they skip on by it on the internet. We have to realize that for a lot of those people, it's fear that this subject, it's irrelevance, number one, and number two, it's fear that they don't want to know. They they have their own little bubble, and the one thing that we we all notice in life today, and all you have to do is walk down a street to see how many people are walking with their heads up and how many people are walking with their heads into their phones. And I'll give you a prime example of this. This past summer, when I took my little boy to his first rock concert in Vancouver, we just happened to be there when the Canadian Armed Forces Snowbirds Air Demonstration Team happened to be flying over the city. And we're standing there on the corner of Granville and Smythe, and we're watching the Snowbirds fly by because you could hear them coming in their nine-plane formation. And, you know, all of a sudden, you you know, through the concrete towers, you get a quick glimpse of them. And, and my son is like, whoa. And we're like, whoa, you know, because I, I just love the snowbirds. My dream as a kid was to fly with the snowbirds. And unfortunately, I didn't make it. But nonetheless, how many people were on the street that day and their phones were, their heads were in their phones and their earbuds were in? And they had no concept about the beauty that was happening above them in the sky. You know, and I don't know how it is for other cities, but the one thing that I noticed about being back in Vancouver for that length of time that I was, you know, it was only 24 hours, was how everybody was tuned out. It's not just the phones anymore. It's earbuds that are in as well. So not only are you not watching where you're going or your surroundings, but you're also not listening because you don't want somebody to get your attention. Okay. They, you know, they, they don't want someone to, to bug them or, or to break into their little cubby hole of life. And I think we've put these circles around us that when it comes to topics like UFOs, people don't want to notice because it breaks into their circle, Tim. And, and that's unfortunate. 
it's very unfortunate uh, that that is happening, that people aren't paying attention. 100% agree. We all need to start looking up more often. You're so right. Absolutely. My friend, we're going to hold on right there because we are going to go to break here at the bottom of the hour. Tim Senor is here with the UFO report. We're going to continue it on. What's in the sky of the United States? We'll find out next with Tim. And we got a lot more coming. We got Shirky Poo's news as well. Stay tuned. The final half hour of Spaced Out Radio with myself, Dave Scott, and Tim Senor in the UFO report happens right after this. There we go. We're clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool stuff. Yeah, man. I think it is cool. I think it is cool. Let me just see what we got here. Who's in your chat? Lots of cool people in there tonight. I don't actually have my chat up tonight. I was on a cool, really cool, brand new show. Cool with me talking about it? Yeah, you go right it's ahead. A, it's, your, it's your break. Um, I hung out with Rob and Mateo from The Social Dig. I did their first ever episode with them today. And uh, they talk on big picture issues and uh, things that are socially relevant, um, not just UFO, but they're they're circled around UFO pretty well. They're well knowledgeable, and that's what we talked about. So he's putting that show together, and he'll air it as his first or second uh, episode. I think it was his first interview, and it's called The Social Dig, D-I-G-G, with, cool. Rob, with Rob G., G double E, I think Rob G. Yeah. Really cool. Great talk. And uh he works with Rod with Roderick. Yeah, Roderick. You had on your show? Roderick Martin, great guy. Yes. One of the one of the yeah. good honestly, one of the good guys in this field. Absolutely agree. He's got a great show too. And so uh I believe that both Rob and Mateo were his sidekicks, and now they've got their own show. And so that's what this is. Right on. Social, the social dig. It's really cool. A lot of fun. Great name too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. When I hear these cases about drone incursions at 20,000 or, you know, 10,000 feet, um, I immediately think, how do you know it's a drone at 10,000 feet? You know, even at 200 feet away, well, I mean, let, let's be honest. There are drones that can fly at that at that height. The military has a number of right. them. I believe uh, certain uh, weather companies have drones that fly at, at, at higher heights, but they're going to appear on radar. You know, they're going to be and flashing lights. they also have lights. certain permissions. Yeah, they have very strict permissions not to get near aviation. That's like a, the biggest no-no <clears throat> there is. Exactly. So... Yeah, it can't be something that's flying under the rules and regulations that um, the FAA have put out. Let's just put it that way. 100%. Because they're, they're breaking rules left and right. Yep. I, I agree. Um, 
And do you know, are you able to get a signature off of a drone at all? Do they have scanners where you're able to... Well, I think if they are... Get IDs? I, I think you can. I, I, I do believe you can. Okay, mm-hmm. but it is... And don't quote me on that. But I believe if they are flying in friendly skies, they do have to have a signal or a signature that goes along with it. Mm-hmm. Along with the federal, federally regulated beacons and flashing signal lights and things like that. So mm-hmm. it wouldn't just be a bright light. It wouldn't just be an object. It would typically have some other right. kind of signification. So right. Interesting. Interesting. And and the thing that is a bit of a bummer is that in this article or this release that I just talked about, it was also included in obvious, um, you know, mundane cases where it was like a green laser incursion from the ground into the cockpit, you know, where somebody's shining their laser up. And so they, it gets reported. Yeah. Right. And so it, that's in the same report as the UFO, which is a little bit of a bummer. I mean, how how else can it be reported? Do you, do you feel like they have to report the mundane with the interesting when it comes to this stuff? I, I think they'll need to. I think they'll need to. Just report everything. Yeah, report it all. Doesn't hurt anybody. Mm-hmm. Does not hurt anybody. Uh, we got about 45 seconds here. I want to say uh, thank you, Ollie, for that amazing uh, $12 super chat. Very much appreciated. Thank you, Maggie, Steve, Vaughn, Melissa, Sibylla, Thomas, Lara, Lily Pond, and Louie for the super chats. Greatly appreciate the love and support, guys. It helps us out so, so much on this channel. And uh, don't forget, you can do your shopping for Christmas at spacedoutradio.com. We have a little bit for everybody there, so go check it on out. We'd greatly appreciate it. And we're going to get going here in about 10 seconds for the final half hour. So sit back, relax, because here we go, everyone. Third, we're heading for home tonight on Spaced Out Radio. My name is Dave Scott. Thank you so much. We very much appreciate it. I want to remind you that if you missed most of this show or others, check out our free archives by going to youtube.com forward slash Spaced Out Radio. Do old Davey the favor. Hit that subscribe button. Our website is spacedoutradio.com. We have a plethora of features for you. Rock out to Bumblefoot, read Shirky Poo's Newswire. Check out our swag as well. Follow us on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. Instagram at Spaced Out Radio Show. And on TikTok at Spaced Out Radio. We continue on tonight with the UFO Report. Tim Senor is back as per usual, hanging on out with us, telling us everything that is going on in the UFO world. Now, Tim, thank you so much for being here, my man. Thanks for having me, Dave. It's an absolute pleasure to be here with you. Now, apparently, down south, below the 49th parallel, uh, recent pilot UAP sightings point to aviation safety challenges, experts say. What's going on there? Yep. 
And so Micah Hanks and Chrissy Newton from The Debrief are working closely with Ben Hansen, working on recent cases, including the racetrack UAP cases, to try and bring some knowledge to pilots. And so in this new article, several, several incidents in recent uh in a recent spate of pilot sightings of UAP may have down to earth explanations, according to experts who have analyzed witnessed accounts and videos of the objects. And so we're looking into potentially some explanations that have been worked out through some of the hard work of people like at Metabunk, uh, particularly Flarky, who came in with some of the Starlink satellite uh, position movement explanations for some of the sightings due in these recent cases uh, being deemed the racetrack UAPs. And now, what's very interesting is that part of the important uh, knowledge that came from this is educating our pilots on the fact that Starlink exists and how to operate accordingly, knowing what is stars and what is Starlink. And so conceding that there are some eyewitnesses account that don't fit the Starlink explanation, um, Mick West went forward to add some information here that pilots have already made the understandable mistake of thinking something moving in a straight line was moving in a circle. So maybe there were other understandable mistakes. And he continues here to say that pilots are human. And while they're great flying at planes, they are not always as good at identifying things that they've never seen before. But really, who is? And so I find that uh, fair and frustrating all in the same breath, because um, he really hasn't conceded to the fact that a lot of these cases were not the Starlink. And given the fact that he highlights the explainable cases and doesn't mention the ones on that were unexplainable, I find a little frustrating. However, um, the recent developments included in this great article from The Debrief reached out to several of these analysts along with aviation professionals who provided their perspectives about what the current spate of pilot UAP sightings convey, both in relation to genuine pilot sightings of aerial phenomenon that defy simple explanation as well as observations of known objects that can be misinterpreted under the right conditions. And so what we're really calling for, and Ben Hansen is agreeing here, he told the debrief in a phone call that his recent independent analysis of the videos with collaborator Brittany Barberi also points to Starlink satellites as the source of many of the recent sightings. However, like West, Hansen and Barberi also, or Barbieri also note that a handful of the sightings still appear to describe something that could be more difficult to resolve. So I've, I'm enjoying the fact that we're leaving this open to more information. And within these same cases that we're getting of objects that are circulating and going in revolving motion, we also have objects that streak down like a meteor and stop and take turns anywhere from 20 degrees to a full course reversal, sometimes within the same event. And so can't put all these into one basket, but I think what is coming out of this is that maybe it takes a little bit of education for our pilots on what Starlink's going to look like and where it is, and maybe give them a Starlink tracker so they can just wipe this out of the possibilities when they're taking down some of this true UFO evidence. I don't think pilots 
are worried about Starlink. I really don't. I really don't see how they are are uh, <laughs> that much trouble. I really don't. I mean, I, I understand where where astronomers and everybody like that get a little screwed up by them. I understand that there are people who never seen them who are going to claim, "What's this UFO line?" You know, I see it in my own town all the time. You know, I saw all these UFOs flying in a straight line. You know, I mean, I, I see that. And, and, and Tim, I, I get it. All right. But we have to stop making excuses for what these possibly could be. Okay. It's not China. It's not Starlink. It's not drones at 35,000 feet that aren't supposed to be there. Okay, like at what point do you think, Tim, and I'll throw this right back to you, at what point do you think that the excuses need to stop? I mean, we were so close a year ago. We were so close. We we finally got Elizondo and Mellon to stop saying China, Russia, China, Russia, China, Russia for an adversary. We finally got them to stop saying that. And it's like we've circled around right back to it, man. And now we're making excuses for everything. I mean, what's your take on this? Yeah, I found the Navy's pullback very significant. That was a big marker in time, I think, um, because we started to see everybody kind of quiet down right after that. Um, You know, when is this discussion going to change? You're absolutely right. Why are we still talking about Starlink and not the other? You know, I find that it's still the same reporting that I'm getting where we aren't discussing the other, you know, we lost our, um, our moment really. It feels like, you know, all I'm hearing are reports on what it isn't, you know, or what it, you know, we know it's not, let's talk about what it is then right if we're ruling things out here let's have a deep discussion of what it could be okay you don't even have to bring aliens into it at this point let's talk about all the other possibilities then if there's a range of other possibilities let's discuss them because i personally am not aware of other possibilities um so let's talk about it you know um I find that very frustrating that the temperature of the conversation hasn't shifted yet. And perhaps it's up to the media and groups and people like you and I and our listeners that need to change it. You know, um, it could very well be up to us. You know, we've seen a lot of scratched heads in Congress. We've seen a lot of scratching of heads in the media. Why don't we just stop scratching our heads and change the topic ourselves? I feel like the narrative is right there. It, it really is right on the brink. And it's unfortunate that we're still focusing on the things that are mundane when we know that the topic has already shifted. We shifted the topic the minute that the Navy started sweeping it under the carpet and that they didn't want to air their dirty laundry in public anymore and started only showing us the videos that they could and didn't want to talk about anything else. That is a massive disclosure event, (laughs) in my opinion. Let me ask you this then. Okay, Uh, what is the difference, in your opinion, between drones 
and 50 years ago where everything was swamp gas. I think it's exactly the same thing. You're exactly right. I mean, that is the new swamp gas, 100%. And some of the figureheads that we're seeing saying these things are drones are literally our new jail and Hynix. And I feel like we repeat ourselves historically in every single way. And the Navy and the Air Force have seen the success of their cover-up, and they've managed to do it for 75 years. Why not use the same recipe again and get another 75 years out of us? It's very frustrating. You're absolutely right. It is so the new swamp gas. I, I agree. I want to throw in a topic here that you haven't put on the list for tonight because we do have about 11 okay. minutes. And if we sure. if we get to Shirky Poo's news, we do. If we don't, we'll save it for tomorrow night. But on Friday, the United States uh, Air Force announced the B-21 bomber. It looks like a B-2. It acts like a B-2. We don't really know what it looks like. They showed us a, a computer simulation of what it looks like. And... This is supposed to bring the United States Air Force bombing runs into the 21st century, even though the B-52 bomber has literally been slated, you know, it's at almost 70 years old, to go at least another 30 years because the airframes are so strong. You know, you have the B-1s, you have the B-2s, now you got, and you got the B-52s, and now you're going after the B-21. My question to you is this. What's the point? Honestly, what's the point? Considering this makes me wonder, this new B-21 really, really looks like the $5 billion mistake that was made that Michael Schratt talks about where the U.S. Navy was going to re be replacing FA-18 Hornets with this uh, single-wing boomerang type of craft to launch off aircraft carriers. This looks very similar in its drawings to that, number one. But number two, once again, dude, it's old technology that's brand new. We don't know how long this thing's been flying. We don't know, you know, I mean, anything that is under hypersonic now is old technology. Is it even worth it? Could this be a number of UFO sightings that we have been seeing or people have been reporting of triangles in the sky? Uh, Codename Aurora. Could be. Is that what you're... Yeah. I'm not saying Aurora, um, but I'm saying there's other ways. Right. You know, um, so short answer, really, honestly, black budget funding cover-up. You know, if you want to show what you're spending your money on, but then really spend it on all this other stuff, this would be the way to do it. Here's our program. Here's what we're doing. Meanwhile, in black budget or your black program is where you're really spending the money on things that we'll never see. And it's, um, you know, th like you're saying, what we're being shown here is technology that's 50 plus years old um, with maybe some new cool detailing and highlights, you know, a little bit lighter, a little bit faster, and it can hold more cool stuff. But um, 
ultimately you you know it's just very obvious that it's another way to hide spending right and it doesn't take a genius to know that but what it does tell me is that they are continuing the same kind of thing that they've been doing for the past decade that i know of um you know jim goodall would be the guy to talk to really on what's happening there with our tech because he would be the guy to know what they've really updated on that but um i'm willing to bet that this is just another way to hide spending for whatever they want and the fact that you know what's really hot right now and what they don't want to talk about which is ufo uap means absolutely that's where potentially they're spending money on developing things that they're in in who knows what they're doing I don't even want to hypothecate. I mean, we know that there were 20 B-2 bombers that were made, and they shut it down at that. They're about $2 billion a piece. We know that a couple of those have crashed, so you're probably down to literally one to maybe two squadrons of B-2s. We know that there are still, you know, full-time duty 60 to 70 B-52 bombers. Okay, uh, let's do a count. How many, how many bombers does the U.S. have? If you can find that information, that is terrifying. Well, <laughs> you just use Google. Uh, Isn't it cr- fantastic that you can just find that out? Yeah. Okay. So the, no United, the United States right now has, before the B twenty one, has one hundred forty one bombers. That are B-52s. Okay. okay. Uh, and, or pardon me, roughly half of those are still airborne. So the B-21 Raider is the newest one. Oh, by the way, that's about $700 million in air, an aircraft. Okay. Uh, apparently it's next generation. Uh, how many B-1 bombers? Let's find out. How many B-1 B-21? No, B-1. There's 41 B-1 oh. bombers. There is uh, 20 B-2 bombers. We know a couple of those have crashed. And let's see how many more B-52s, pardon me. 744 B-52s are may, were made since 1955. Obviously, they lost a number of those in Vietnam. Okay, how many are still in action? Are still flying let's find out uh let's see here there's 18 in reserve and 58 b-52 bombers still flying today wow okay so there's your totals right there but this new one this new one being another flying wing like the b-2 we have to know how long has this been flying I mean, think about it. They wouldn't even bring out the actual craft for this. What's the big secret? Okay, why why not show the craft? You did with the F-22. You did with the B-2. You did with the F-117 when it was older technology at that point. It had already been flying for 10, 11 years. So what's is this... Something that we would consider a UFO in the sky. You know, you look at you look at those videos now of what Jeremy Corbell put out 
uh, last year where people were were absolutely wrecking him over the over what they were calling Boca and night vision goggles of all these triangles that were hovering above or pyramids hovering above Navy ships. What if this is one of those bombers? It makes sense now, right? Because remember what our, our friend at Area 51 said. We won't even know what's above us. Won't even know, and we'll call it a UFO. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And just knowing that puts all kinds of ideas in my head. And, you know, we also have secret drone technology. So let's not just cross that off. And if these things that we're filming that end up looking like Boca through there were drones, it's secret drone technology then. And these things that are operating at 20,000 feet by the military, they may not be intentionally showing themselves to our pilots. Perhaps they're buzzing them to see how they're reported by our pilots because they are secret military drones. I mean, it's very frustrating um, to be just sitting on the sidelines and only have part knowledge you know, that's very frustrating. But definitely when it comes to airships like this, I'm never surprised when they roll things out like this, um, which may or may not even exist, right, and demoed properly because we've seen things recalled, as you've even brought up a few bombers that were kind of a little bit of a, a disaster, <laughs> if you would say. So, you know, historically, um, it's been one of those things that we've rolled out and been very proud of, you know, so it is strange that we're only getting diagrams instead of the actual image or any video or anything of this new rollout. Well, you know what? It's once again, it's going to be interesting and I don't think we have time to start your other story. I apologize. Uh, no. I apologize for uh, uh, kind of cutting in here with that, but I did want to get to, that B-21 story because, you know, once again, I, I, I don't understand the hesitancy, especially from the American public, that we're going to we're going to hold a press conference for a a brand new multi hundred million dollar aircraft. And we're not going to show it in public. Like to me, that doesn't make sense. Right. No, it, it screams red flag. It screams black project it it screams that uh you know they're asking for money for something that they don't necessarily have i don't know i could theorize a few different ways i guess but um it's definitely not the usual way we roll things out that's for sure i mean what do you feel what's your gut instinct well once again i think it's all part of some sort of massive cover-up and a, a real fight for control and what we're seeing, the Air Force not wanting to play nice by showing the taxpayers what they're spending their money on, the Navy pulling out from videos and, and information. I think. You think it's a sign of the times, like because times are so hot, we're playing our cards close to the chest. But why, if your technology is so much more advanced than Russia and China, why why not show it off? Why not play your cards? Because it's going to be decades before they get to that level. Tim, we got to say goodnight tonight. And we have to be able to say thank you to you for another great night of the UFO report. We'll speak to you in a couple of nights' time. And very thank much you. appreciate you keeping us up to date on everything that is going on 
in the UFO world with the report. want to say a big My thank pleasure. you to Swamp Dweller as well for another great story tonight. We'll hear from Swamp Dweller tomorrow night as well, along with our good friend Lynn Monet, who came in with just incredible stories about what happens on the other side and when we get there. We got Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal rocking in the background with Little Brother is watching. Bumblefoot is the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Rocking us in and out of every single show. Get your horns up for the guitar god himself. Special thanks to everybody listening in at work, at home, in your cars, wherever you may be. Thank you to everyone in our chat rooms tonight. Spreaker, YouTube, LGAP, Twitch, Facebook, the Space Travelers Club, and on Twitter at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. Remember, this show is copyrighted by Spaced Out Radio and SOR Media Ventures Limited. Thank you so much for choosing to share your evening with us, because together, my friends, we're watching. We own the night, Mr. Bumblefoot. We need a favor. We need you to take us home. Yes, the Wu train has docked for the night. But soon, my friends, we shall ride again. Your seats are always available. Your tickets never expire. And if you want to bring a friend, we've got room for them, too. Good night.